All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Better late than never. Welcome. It's favorite. Fucking Anton Lander. Fucking I Anton like, Lander. I really like the Magnum Shower. Bag milk. This is Ceases. 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 Tyler, your rem check is so fucking sexy. Yes, he is. Ceases. Fucking Anton Lander. It's my favorite. <laughs> but better late than never. It is so fucking sexy. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Episode 8 of Better Late Than Never. Brand new intro. Thank you, Surveyor Brett, for coming up with a couple of amendments. Fucking Anton Lander. Very, very excited about today's podcast because I'm going to be welcoming Wanye Gretz up in a few minutes. We're going to have... We're going to get into a lot of stuff. I've got a million questions from all of you guys on Twitter. I've got a whole lot to get to myself. I even got some nation staff to submit some questions for Wanye. So we're going to have a whole lot to get here, to get to here. But first, as we always do, I got to give a shout out to our friends at Arcadia. Arcadia Brewing, of course, they are the title sponsor of this year podcast. Check them out on the website for details of what they got going on. ArcadiaYeg.com. Arcadia Brew Co. If you're on Twitter, or Arcadia Brewing Co. if you're on Instagram. Got it? They've always got trivia going on. They've got a really cool spot. I am right now enjoying a uh, can of Whistling Pig. Delightful. This beer is just legit. And I can't thank them enough for jumping on as a title sponsor of Better Late Than Never. This thing is blowing up 
a lot more than I ever expected. And uh, I'm, I'm pumped, and I know the folks at Arcadia are as well. And thank you guys for listening. Lots to get to, so let's just jump right into it with the news. Welcome to the news. Bag Milk, reporting live on a Thursday evening from West Edmonton. Lots to get to. Our beloved Oilers lost a second straight win. There's more to it than that. Let's just jump right in with the Oilers looking at things that happened over the last seven days since I last recorded. Tyler Benson, I'm going to start with you. I want to give you a big, big, big shout-out for scoring your first NHL goal. Seemed like a long time coming for Benson. He had some good looks on that. Wasn't really getting anything done uh, in terms of luck. Wasn't getting a lucky bounce. Wasn't getting anything going in for him. But then finally, he did get it done this week. Very, very happy. Nothing I love more than seeing guys get their first NHL goal. Of course, the reactions are fantastic whenever a guy gets his first. His was no different. Uh, so that happened, unfortunately, during a loss to the Minnesota Wild. But I think that... It's only the start for Tyler Benson. I really, really do. Other milestones that happened this week? Well, my boy, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, yesterday against the Tampa Bay Lightning, played his 700th NHL game. And before the game started, here's what Nugent had to say about it. At the end of the day, it still is just a just another game. Uh, but uh, definitely uh, you, you reflect a little bit on the 700 that uh, you played. How humble is that guy? You know? How humble can you be, Nuge? We don't need you to be this humble, buddy. 700 games has been a hell of a journey together, and I would love to know what's going on in his mind this season. He's had some weird ones with the Oilers, and this season is equally weird. We are going to get that to that with Wanye when he jumps in. Nation News Director Zachary Lang, he did some digging this week. Turns out the Oilers, their scouts on the East Coast, are matching up with Jared Tenorti. If you don't know who Jared Tenorti was, or is, I should say, probably good reason. He's a defenseman, but he's only played 109 NHL games since being drafted in 2011. And I'll tell you one thing. When you get the chance to scout a guy who's only played 109 games in 11 years, you got to take it. You just got to take it. I tried to push a button there, and it didn't go. One more time. Yeah! Good Lord, little John. Where were you when I needed you? Other things I want to check in on, Sean Avery. Signed a contract. He's in his 40s, by the way, in case you were wondering. Sean Avery signed a contract in the ECHL with the Orlando Solar Bears. Nobody wanted Sean Avery to come back. Nobody. But, unfortunately, that's what's going on. Well, unfortunately, I guess I don't really care. Next up, back to the Oilers. Our boys, unfortunately, have lost two in a row. Now, Minnesota, I had that as a scheduled loss, if I'm being honest. Oilers have played five games in seven days. That is a lot. Way too much for an NHL team, in fact. So I wasn't necessarily surprised that they lost that game. Yesterday's game, however, so yesterday was Wednesday, lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning, but that wasn't because of the Oilers, in my opinion. That was because they could not get a save. That was because, despite the fact that the boys played incredibly well, limited the back-to-back Stanley Cup champs to only 22 shots on net. They just could not get a save. 
Mike Smith, unfortunately, has allowed two goals in six shots or less a handful of times recently, and there's no way, there's just no way you're going to win in this league if that's what's going on. There's just no way, right? You can't be expecting to come back against teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning and Andre Vasilevsky and Net when you've got, when you're down by a pair. I mean, they weren't down by a pair initially, but Tampa scored first. Connor McDavid, beautiful goal to tie it up on the power play. Snipe. But then immediately after, Steven Stamkos scores a goal that is just garbage. Mike McKenna from Daily Faceoff broke it down. Tyler's got that on our website, OilersNation.com. Go check that out. He just said, I've never seen a goalie basically stay down in that position when the puck was so far up in the zone before. Other goalies were chiming on, including gold medal winner Shannon Zabados, just saying it just seems lazy. You don't need to be down on your knees when the puck is in the high circle. So what's going on with Mike Smith? I have no idea. But I'm telling you one thing right now. The Oilers cannot, and I repeat, they cannot afford to keep losing games because their goaltending can't even participate at an NHL level. Is it time to bring back Stuart Skinner? I personally think so. I personally think so. I'd love to know what you guys think as well. I'd love to know what you guys think. But when we talk about last night's loss, Connor McDavid and his post-game presser, this is what he had to say. Uh, it's just details, right? Like, it's just, you know, little things. And, um, you know, against a team like that, every play play matters. You know, they, they take advantage of what you give them. And, um, you know, we just gave them just, uh, just a little too much. A little too much indeed because, again, unfortunately, they did not get the goaltending they needed to close out what, have been, what would have been a fantastic road game for the Edmonton Oilers. Fantastic road game. Other news, unfortunately, with that loss means that our boy, Jay Woodcroft, he did not get another win. We ended up five straight, lost the last two. I believe in him, though. If there's one thing that that last night's game did teach me, it's that Jay Woodcroft is able to plan and scheme against the, t- the league's best teams, and that is something that we haven't really had in quite some time. We haven't had it. We haven't had a coach that's gotten creative. His line usage was interesting. The way he approaches the game was interesting. And I got a couple of Woodcroft clips here. These are from earlier in the week, prior to the loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning, but I just want to show you how he speaks. The way he speaks is endlessly fascinating to me, and I can't get enough of it because he's so positive. What I really, really enjoyed about tonight's game was the fact that, uh, you know, they got a little bit of momentum uh, the last eight or nine minutes of the That was against Winnipeg, by the way. Remember? What does it look like they were in control? Winnipeg came roaring back. Boys still managed to close it out. Mm, I interrupted game but our team didn't flinch everyone was calm we're saying the right things on the bench and uh, we found a way to come out of a tough building with two points which is the most important thing 100 percent. listen to that guy listen to him right he's found a level of consistency to his game and i think my opinion consistency is the truest measure of 
performance. And um, I think he's keeping things simple. I think he's playing the game hard. Um, and um, I'm happy for him. He's uh, he's played real well here over the last little bit. He's talking about William Lagason, who is getting a lot more opportunity under Jay Woodcroft than he ever did under Jay or uh, Dave Tibbet, I should say. Right? That's because he's our boy, Jay Woodcroft. I believe in you, man. Thug and then I'm horny. I just love the guy. I love the way he's running the bench. I love the vibes around the team, even when they lose. It doesn't feel like they were out of the games like it did with Dave Tippett behind the bench. And for that, I'm very, very grateful. Another thing, too, is since we're talking about coaching, Zach Lang found some some tweets this week. Dave Tippett is going to be retiring. Retiring. He just got fired, and he's already been like, eh, it's time to shut it down. That tells me the guy was not as hungry as we needed him to be for a team that needed a coach to be as hungry as they get. Fortunately, I think we've got the right man behind the bench, and that's why I'm excited. That's why our friends at Arcadia are excited. And there you go. The news. That was the news. Brought to you by Arcadia Brewing Co. Why? Because they're wonderful. They love news. They love events. And they love when I talk about them. At least that's what they pay for anyway. Right? Murderer's Row of Games this week. We already got through the Tampa Bay Lightning game. The boys played very, very well. On Saturday, 10.30 in the morning, opportunity for a little boozy breakfast. Oilers take on the Florida Panthers. That is going to be a tough one as well. Sunday, we have got the Carolina Hurricanes. But Sunday is also something else for the nation and for Oilers Nation fans and citizens. Sunday marks the 15th anniversary of the Ryan Smith trade. And if you know your nation history, you know what that means. And that's why I'm very excited to welcome this week's guest. Hello. My guest today on Better Late Than Never, co-founder of Oilers Nation, entrepreneur, noodle man, River Valley yeah. man, little Boom. brick guy, coffee you know club it. guy. Of course. Wanye. What's happening, buddy? You know what? I'm excited about today because it was one of those ones where I felt like I just had to clear some time. I needed to clear the decks because I didn't know what we're going to get into, where we're going. And I didn't want to. There's run a saying out of in time. showbiz: "Let the fools go first through seventh; the real G's go eighth. I think that's what the point is here. Yeah, I think that's what yeah. the point is here. That's what the people from Arcadia pay for, anyway. Basically, I kept bumping into you on another one of your podcasts, complaining until I broke you down. Well, somebody did ask if you shamed me into being a guest. Yes, I did. It's the how everything gets done: shame and revenge, people. Well, and to be honest, I didn't. I mean, I told you this also, like, I didn't expect this to go, uh, I didn't expect this to go the way it has been. You didn't expect your podcast, your third podcast to do eight episodes? No, I just didn't expect it to go as well as it has in terms of its downloads. Like, this thing's catching up with Gregor in the rundown. That's crazy. It is crazy. It That's is crazy. crazy. I like to keep my mind free from metrics and performances on podcasts because I'm actually still quite nervous to do them. I'm so too- you know how I roll. I don't know how any of the shows do. 
I've never listened to a second of real life, our other podcast, <laughs> not a fucking second. And occasionally I'll be going through Instagram and it'll like load up one of the show clips and I'll hear my own voice. I will throw my phone across the room like it is possessed by the devil himself. I don't want to hear myself. That's one of the things from my last job. I mean, that was over a decade now, but I just got really used to hearing myself. So that never bothered me. The other day I said, I don't want to hear myself because I know I sound like Seth Rogen because I was told this by an Icelandic drag queen and I've told this story <laughs> a thousand times. And this other guy on Twitter goes, no, you don't sound like an off-brand Seth Rogen. You sound like an off-brand Jack Black. And I was like, oh, fuck. That's even know. worse. Which one would you rather have, though? Seth Rogen's cool, baby. Of course he is. Of course he is. Jack Black, I just feel like he's 15 seconds away from being found guilty of something. We just don't know what. He's so talented, though. Jack Black is like a guy oh, who course. just, he's just incredibly talented. He's a musician. He's fucking funny. Like, I follow him on TikTok and it's spectacular. But he's probably content. a cannibal, man. You know Could how be. it is when you're that gifted? You got to be wrong at something. Yeah, there's probably something wrong with you. Uh, wrong with Wanye, I've got a general order of things. Yeah. First, oh, I want to, okay. first, I want to start talking about the Oilers because on Sunday, yeah. we've got something coming up that a lot of nation citizens may not even know about. If you've been around a long time, if you're an OG, you may mm. know what the anniversary is. But on Sunday marks the 15th anniversary of the day Ryan Smith was traded to the New York Islanders. That, in case you did not know, is why we're here today. Mm-hmm. That's what started Oilers Nation. So I want to take you way back. Damn, man. Way the way back machine? Back. Shit. Oilers Nation. How far back you, you want to go? If you look at the Old domain. Testament? Yes. Oh, I see. Not that far back. If you look at the domain for OilersNation.com. Yeah. Mm. That was registered months before anything ever went up on the website. And late at night, too, if you note. What happened? Ain't nobody buying no domain names at noon because it's their day job. <laughs> You're buying it at night because it's like your eighth job. So Ryan Smith what gets traded. Yeah. What, like, so... Walk me through it. You and Jay at that point were living together. Always. Was, Bl- We've been was Blue Chicago a thing house. or was it gone already uh, at that already point? Already shut. Yeah. So Jay Downton and I, the my co-founder, the guy who's really in charge, not me. Um, we've lived in some derivation of the Facebook house from the Facebook movie yeah. since we moved out of our respective homes at the advanced ages of 27. I lived at home until I was 27 and told my parents I was doing them a favor because I was taking care of things, even though I never took the garbage out and let all the plants die every time they left. Of course. And uh, my parents were like, are you ever moving out? And I'm like, yes, as soon as my businesses stopped failing. And they didn't. And I stayed at home. And Blue Chicago was our my second bar and Jay and my first bar, our first company together. And it had, we'd opened up a sports bar uh, just in time for the strike of 2004. Oh, perfect. We call that in the industry, perfect fucking timing. 100%. And all our good ideas about bars and whatnot and sports and the like, they didn't matter because we were watching the uh, Roadrunners play. And we learned that that had a big effect, not only on our bar, but like all the bars in the industry, right? Similar to a pandemic similar to a disaster that happens seemingly more and more frequently. There are things that can happen to your business that have no bearing on whether or not you're good or bad. They just kill you. And so when Blue Chicago shut, I had to move everybody out. I had to do the old midnight move. 
Christmas Eve, 2005. <laughs> there was a blizzard, my friend, a thick, thick blizzard. And if I didn't have all my shit out of that building, they were going to lock the doors on me due to a variety of reasons. And I knew that it was now or never. And so I rented a U-Haul. And while nobody was looking, did the old midnight boot. Is this illegal? Probably. But it's a very long time ago. So fuck you, Aldrin. Yeah, statute of limitations is long gone. Yeah, come get me. I've got other people in line wanting to sue me. You'll be in a long line. <laughs> so I'm packing up the bar. And it's very dramatic. And I leave the DJ booth until last so I can blast jams while I watch my life and dreams die around me. It's a good experience. And I was like, okay, this has not gone well. And if I don't get off the trajectory of where this failure is going to... Fuck. Hold on. Wani's having uh, earbud issues. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, sorry, man. Fuck these fucking earbuds. Steve Jobs, this is not what he had in mind. No, man. This is the worst product Apple has designed since the Newton. Do you think I so? swear. Yes. There's so many things wrong with these things. I don't know what to do. I've been leaving them charging all day long. I'm switching between earphones here. I got one earbud in and one earbud in the docket. I don't know. Anyways. We're just phone. doing our best out here. That's all we're doing. We're doing our best. You can cut it out. You can leave it in. Whatever. It's kind of like life. You're talking about your biggest failure. And now that you're a success and your earbuds fail. That's how <laughs> life goes. All right. So anyways, our bar is shutting and I'm closing her down and it's very dramatic. And I'm like, man, if I don't like do some heavy duty shit with my life here, I'm going to be like not only a pauper for the remainder of my life, digging myself out from this huge hole I had got and I was 23 years old. Um, I'm never gonna be able to look myself in the mirror. Like this is some heavy duty loss here, right? So I made a list while I was closing down the bar of things I was going to do with the remainder of my life. And I've basically been running off that list ever since. And it's been 16 years. So one of the things was like, man, what do I love more than everything in the world? And the answer has been the Edmonton Oilers as long as I can remember. And it will be that way until the end of time. There are no other teams. There are no other sports. If you play for the Oilers, you are my best friend. If you are traded from the Oilers, you are dead to me. That's just how she goes. Fair. It's got to be. And especially, yeah, man, and opened up a sports bar. Even that shit, a sports bar and a strike, that didn't even tax my love for the team. I was like, when they come back, everything's going to be great. So the bar shuts like Christmas Eve 2005. And what began April 2006? The start of what was a hell of a run. The cuff run, or as bar owners of Edmonton called it, that time with a mm-hmm. capital T because everybody made bar trillion and we missed it by four months. That's why. Right? Oh, so what was now that like? I'm like, getting... were you, do you guys just like, were you filled with regret at that point or was it just like, fuck, what do you like? What do you do? It's timing. You can't control any of that. Well, uh, these are why people go crazy, especially entrepreneurs, right? Um, to miss, like, if we'd stayed in business for four more months, we would have made all the money that we lost in the hockey strike plus plus, right? Yeah. Which yeah. at the time was all the money we knew, all the money we could borrow, and all the money we'd ever heard of. So I lent all my TVs to this bar on Jasper Ave called The Druid, right? I'm a boy on The Druid, and he calls me up. I'll never forget. He's like, hey. Sorry about your bar. I'm like, uh-huh. I'm like lying in a pool of garbage in the basement of my parents' <laughs> house. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's all good. What up? What up, G? And he's like, what have you done with all your televisions from the bar? 
And I'm like, well, right now they're in a shed. Like I got a rental shed and I'm, all my life is in there and I don't know what, what to do. And he's like, can I borrow them for my bar for the cup run? I'm like, let me get this straight. You want to watch my Oilers on my TV in your bar? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh. And like another bar had somehow gotten our chairs. Like it was very like the predators, the vultures were up. Yeah, yeah. They were and so I was cool. like, yeah, I was like, I guess so. But like, what are you going to give me in return? Like I owe so much money everywhere that you're $200, whatever you're thinking. Yeah. That ain't going to help me for shit. And he goes, well, I'll give you a hundred bucks a game in bar tabs. Oh. Um, and they roll over. Oh, right? okay. So Oilers Cup. That's currency right like, there. Yeah. Like, I think it had like 21 or 22 games yep, in the cup. But I had $2,100 worth of booze, like more booze, more money was made there than in the bar we owned for two years, just in that transaction. And so we went to game. I sold my TV to go to game six of the cup run. Yeah. If you listen to real life, you've heard that story. It is a hell of a story. Why do I want a TV when I can watch um, the Oilers? That's the only thing I want to see. I'm going to go and see it with my own eyes. And it's the greatest thing I've ever done. Um, But for game seven, we went to the Druid and we had, we were rolling 20 deep in the club. And I was like, tonight is the night that the universe sets itself straight. And I'm very narcissistic. So I'm all about my own hero story, 24 hours a day. And I'm like, the reason why the bar shut, embarrassing us for a generation, was so that when the Oilers win the cup, we'll go from the, you know, basement to the penthouse in a span of four months. Sure. What uh, I think to myself on game seven night, what would you rather, your fortune intact or be penniless and have the Oilers win the cup? And I'm like, oh. The Oilers win the cup, of course, right? It remains the same today. It's the most important thing there is, is the Oilers need to win the Stanley Cup. So they, I don't know if you saw game seven in 06, did you? Of course, of course. I cried, you actually. Yeah, oh. I yeah, I cried. I, on, cried I, too. I watched it in the basement at my buddy's place. And when they lost, I quietly walked up the stairs out of his mom's basement, got in my car and cried on the way back to my house. Oh, we're the same guy. I uh, cried too, filled with $2,300, my share of $2,300 worth of free <laughs> Druid booze and food. And I remember walking into the restroom and very rarely would I ever mess up somebody's joint because usually I'm in my own establishments dealing with other people's messes. So I'm not usually this guy. I like booted the stall door open like a detective in a movie to go sit on the toilet and cry. And the door was already kind of wonky and it flew off and hit the toilet and just water went everywhere. Right. (laughs) And I was like, yep. And so I put the lid down on the toilet and I sat there and I didn't know what I was going to do yet. I didn't know I was going to cry, but I was like, man, the fucking world sure is unfair. Yep. And then I just started bawling my eyes out and I'll never forget a Druid bouncer comes in, looks at the water on the floor everywhere. And then looks at me getting ready to throw me into the street sees him an Oilers fan bawling my eyes out after we just lost the cup. And he's like, huh, when you're ready, throw yourself out. And I was like, thank you. And I <laughs> literally you, didn't, stop, didn't stop crying probably until four in the morning. By that point, my girlfriend at the time had broken up with me. She goes, I don't know who cares about a stupid <laughs> team this much. And I was like, you don't understand how our lives are fucking interconnected. And Sean Horkoff is my best friend. Because in those days, I thought Sean Horkoff was my best friend. Sure. And so she's gone. So that's cool. And I was like, you know what? I'm moving to Dubai or the space station or somewhere. 
somewhere that ain't here. I love Edmonton, but I got enemies on every street corner. I got a 7,000 square foot testament to my stupidity sitting there empty. I am motherfucking out. And I got as far as Toronto. And then I got living in my uncle's basement, which was a lot like my own basement. And I watched, I think it was the Turin Olympics in 06. I think so, yeah. I think Canada came in like 35th in hockey that year. We did like terrible. And I was like, perfect, throw it on the pile. But in this time of wandering in the emotional desert and thinking about what do I want to actually accomplish with my life now that I'm not going to accomplish what I thought I was going to accomplish, making an Oilers website was the top of my list. Did you have any idea how to make a website at that point? Or was this just an idea you had? So I started doing like e-commerce projects and I'd already had a little software company. What were you selling? Sold for, uh, e-com- oh, you want to hear what I was selling in e-commerce? Of course. Shit, me, this isn't a good idea. Shit. So I go to University of Alberta and I'm like, you know what I need to really get me some chicks is business cards. I need to like hit up <laughs> yeah. the honeys in the club yeah. and be like, yo, this Wanye from the University of Alberta, perhaps you have heard of me. Here's my faculty. Here is my uh, major is kind of like a well, basically just a business card for students. So I went to U of A. I got the rights to use their logo. I went to Nate. I got the rights to use their logo. I went to Grant McEwen. I got the rights to use their logo. I got all the bookstores to agree to carry point of sale signage saying, get your student cards here. Student cards was the name of the company with a Z bag milk. Instead of, course. of an S. Student course. cards. Are you trendy or are you nerd? You got to put the Z there. It cost an extraordinarily high amount of money to build that website because it was prior to Shopify. So you actually had to like code up your own store. Right. I think I sold like three packs. So that was my foray into uh, e-commerce. And I didn't know how to do advertising. It was prior to advertising, I think. But I was like, damn, I'm in this computer game up to my eyes. This is where I wanted to be. Tech mogul. Uh Uh-huh. And then I had like a really weird material data safety company. You know what an MSDS sheet is? No, no idea. If you have chemicals on your website, or sorry, on your work site of any sort, so paint or glue or any of this shit, you have to have a material safety data sheet that says, if you have a grease fire, do not put water on it. It will explode in your face. Yes. Big companies have like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of controlled products on their work sites that all require these sheets, which all become outdated every 90 days, 90 or three years. Yeah, three years. So every year you're having to, go to like Glidden Paint and ask for a new MSDS sheet. And it's terrible work and no one wants to do it. How old are you at this point? 19. 19. I found out about it because I was a summer student at an accounting firm. They're like, we need you to go empty out all the filing cabinets of this company that went out of business. And I was like, you're damn right. I'm in the game. And I drove over and I start looking at all these filing cabinets full of files. And I'm like, what kind of company was this? I wonder. And I like look at what they're doing. And I'm like, cool. I wonder if I could take all their contracts out of this filing cabinet and call all their customers and get them to sign up to a similar service that I myself would provide. This is literally in one day working at this company. So I go through their filing cabinet. Is this wrong? Probably, but it was so long ago. Fuck you. And I go through these contracts and I take out all the companies that were subscribed. I started my own company and I hired two guys and they're both named Kirk. And then I sold it to the Kirks for five grand. You're the richest man on earth when you're 19. At five I grand. bought it. Yeah. I bought a TV for six grand, which I later sold to attend the Stanley cup final. It's all coming. See how circles. It all goes together. Damn right. Mm-hmm. 
So did I know how to build a website? No, but I knew at that point how to hire contractors to build technologies for me. And I knew how to like architect it. I knew how to make wireframes are called like, this is what I want. This is how I want to look. This is what I wanted to do. I felt very comfortable doing that. So yeah, then uh, I registered those domain names because I was like, well, if I'm going to make an Oilers website, it's probably going to be awesome. This is what I'm thinking to myself. We're probably going to want one for every team. So I probably need to find some sort of brand that can apply team name something.com. And uh, so I looked around at different things and I found the term nation and it was like 11 o'clock at night and oilersnation.com was available. And I was like, I cannot believe somebody hasn't bought this fucking domain. Damn it. He's, oh yeah. Yeah, Steve Jobs is giving us wrinkles here. AirPods. Can you hear me now? You're very echoey now. Can you hear me now? No. Hello? Hi. Hello? You are off the grid. You are off the grid. One day, he is, uh, this is an audio podcast, so you can't see it. But what he is doing right now is he is plugging in AirPods, shuffling, trying to figure it out. We've got. Can you hear me now? Issues. There you go. Well, what am I going to do? Talk to you on my phone like it's 1987? What am I supposed to do now? I have no earphones. You know what? I'm going to fucking email Apple right now. Say, dear Apple, I've been charging these iPad or ear. What are they called? AirPods. They're worth more than my car, and they don't work for shit. Yeah, I demand they... somebody do something, and Tim Cook at best email me by the end of the day. He's good like that, I imagine. Can you hear me okay, though? Yeah, I can hear you fine. All right. What was I ranting about before my earphones died? Uh, you were talking about how you knew the wireframes. You were just getting OilersNation.com. Oh, right. Couldn't believe it. Was yes, available. of course. Bought some, yes, couldn't believe OilersNation.com was available. Can you believe it? I could not. So that's when you see the registration that the, somebody was looking at when the URL got registered. Yep. I think November 2007. Yep. So from the Stanley Cup being lost in June 2006... We had an idea for Oilers Nation or an Oilers type website within 90 days of the bar closing, which I'm quite proud of because normally failure like that will take you to the bottom of the ocean and there you will die. And what we were talking about was, okay, we're going to make this like network of fan sites that have real reporters writing on them. And then we can just read about the Oilers and have a wonderful time. And we'll have a beer and we'll have gear and we'll have parties and we'll have this and we'll have that. And uh, away we went. So what we wanted to do before it took off or we tried it out was like a trial balloon website where if we tried out a website and we did a really bad job of it, we wouldn't like ruin our potential brand down the road because it would just be kind of like a throwaway site. Yeah, smart. And so when Smitty got traded, we were very upset obviously as we all were and yeah so we wrote the back end of the website with a content management system and then made it bring 94 home.com which remember, was a do you remember what hmm? traffic looked like on that thing <laughs> yeah well i didn't know that you could count traffic and i was like flexing on my computer buddy like three months after it was live and i was like yeah whatever i got this ryan smith website basically gonna bring them home whatever and he's like, oh, do you know how well it's doing? And I'm like, pretty awesome, if that tells you anything. And he's like, well, do you know what your traffic is? And I was like, hmm, I did not know we could calculate that. 
And he's like, yeah, man, you can like get software to do it for you or you can just count your server logs. And so that's the equivalent of like having your doorbell tell you how many times it was rang in the last year to guess how many people were at yeah, your house. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we had a petition to bring Smitty home and we had like 30,000 people that signed it. So when you, got, when you got those kind of numbers where you're just like, what the fuck? This internet thing is real. Kind of. I was kind of like measuring. So at first when Oilers Nation launched, because it was way less popular than Bring Ryan Home. Yeah. We would get 50 visitors a day. And my is that good or bad calculation was based on um, the Sun newspaper box outside our condo. Yeah. Had 25 newspapers in it. And I was like, okay, so we're like two sun boxes worth of readers. Well, that's pretty good. This is how I'm thinking, right? Um, but when 30,000 people signed the petition, I, I think, and I thought then, I think now, that more had to do with Ryan Smith than anything that we did. So I was like, damn, Smitty's so popular. And then obviously, like, there was the t-shirt. Yeah, we made some t-shirts up. We... Uh, we thought uh, every good movement needs merchandising. So we'll get a Ryan Smith milk carton made. So it looks like he's a missing child. Which I just learned today, actually, on Real Life, that your sister did that. Yeah, we had her do it. And she was like, don't get me involved in your crap. And I was like, no, you need to. It's really important. And uh, we wore them to the game. I forgot about this. Jay reminded us today on Real Life. And we wore these shirts to the game. And people were like pointing at us as we walked down the concourse. And this guy stopped me and was like, how do you have that shirt? And I looked at him and I was like, I made it myself. And his jaw dropped like I told him I was Ryan Smith. And I remember going to my seats being like, you can make your own Oilers merchandise. This is an interesting development in life. I love the Oilers and I love merchandise. And uh, so, yeah, do we think it was crazy that we saw those kind of numbers? I think making Oilers Nation it's more an indicative of like Oilers fans than anything that we've done. We've just kind of met a need that was out there for nonstop content. Well, yes and no. Cause I was digging into it since I knew you were coming on today. I was trying to figure out when our first correspondence was. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I, yeah. I was trying to figure it out. And based on what I could find, it was in November of 2008 was the first time I emailed Oilers nation. Shit. What'd you say? I just said something to the effect of, man, I really love the site. Because at that point, it was basically just you, if I remember correctly, and, yeah. and Bingo Fuel. Yeah. But the way you were covering the team was, I thought, very interesting because it wasn't the standard way of X, Y, Z happened, this, Y, this happened. It wasn't the journal. It wasn't the sun. It was different. There was, you were making memes before memes were a thing. <laughs> looking back now i think i was it's embarrassing and i was drawn to that because it was funny it was just kind of what i would be saying about the team with my buddies and that's why i loved it and i don't know why i felt compelled to write to you but i did and when you I'm responded you in I was, real time because i was like holy shit somebody emailed oilers nation at gmail i was really blown away I just like, I was like, man, I thought I, by the way, I also thought it was the biggest website on the internet because at that you point, did? yeah. Oh, Cause at that point buddy. I had, I had my little pop culture thing going on. It was great. And I knew that I was getting zero traffic. So I just imagined that based on the comment section that Oilers nation had and the number of comments I was reading that it was the busiest site on earth. 
what you failed to realize was that every single one of those commenters was me and Jay talking to each other. I did not know that at the time. So we got to look busy, man. Got to look busy. Well, I thought that was such an amazing idea that I hadn't really considered until you told me that that's what you were doing. So that leads me to a question from one Jason Greger. How many fake commenters did you have in the early days to make it look like we had traffic? I had... (laughs) It's sad that that's what Gregor wants to know, but there you have. I'd like to remind me to tell you about pitching Jason Gregor to be involved in Oilers Nation, because that is a fine day for all involved. We are getting Um, Excuse me. So I had one guy, and I was like, okay, I got to invent fake people, and they got to look like real fake people. And if I just like... I didn't have the name Wanya at this point. I was writing all the articles as Oilers Nation, me and Bag, uh, me and Bingo Fuel. Yep. And there weren't writers because we didn't know how to code in writers for the website. We only had one author, so that's mm-hmm. good. And I was like, "What would people not guess as me?" And like you know me, I don't know football. I don't know any other teams. I don't know anything. So I had a guy named Tony Romo, and Tony Romo was like the number <laughs> one commenter on Oilers Nation. And no one ever thought to ask me, "Am I Tony Romo?" Because they're like, "You don't know who Tony Romo is." Then I had a gal because you got to have the ladies, of and her name was Tracy, and her name was all lowercase because I imagine <laughs> Tracy is not having time for caps lock. And Tracy was like excited about the Oilers, but thought that everybody was making too big of a deal about everything. Right. So she'd always be like, Oh, calm down. That's not that. That's not this. You need to calm down. That was Tracy shtick. And then I had another guy that was all binary code. Yeah. It was 101, 101, 101, 101. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that I one like, specifically. No one's going to see this guy coming. He looks like a scientist. Right. So I had like all these different profiles. So no exaggeration, Gregor. I probably had, 10 core people that I spoke as. And then I would always just have like flyby commenters that were like a one comment, one and done. Sure. Yeah, man. That's amazing now in hindsight, because I don't know what, when it was that I ended up in the comment section, but I just remember thinking that, man, this place is popping. This is where (laughs) you're talking about the Oilers. So you got football fans, you got scientists, Tracy's here. What's she up to? I just thought it was the most amazing place to talk about the Oilers because again, nobody was, Nobody was talking down to anyone. Everybody was just sharing yeah. an experience. And I thought that was incredibly cool. And the articles were funny, which just resonated with how I wanted to talk about the Oilers. Well, me writing for Oilers Nation was never, ever, ever, ever the plan, right? The plan was we're doing this as a business. We intend to make money. We need to have budget. And we're going to go out and hire people. And the... um 2006 cup run coincided with the rise of Blogspot, like third-party software that allowed for blogging websites. Which is what right? I used at that time. Yeah. So a lot of people were like, oh, I'm going to get into blogging. It was kind of like the precursor to social media, honestly. Or even podcasts. Yep. And I was, and I like didn't hear that there was third-party software that made websites for like free. And I'm like, or it's stupid. I need the $10,000 one because I'm a moron. Right? Yeah. And... Uh, I thought that when we started the website up, people who are currently blogging about the Oilers, because there was 21 Oilers blogs in 2006, right? Really? Yeah, man. And because it coincided with the cup run. So the new technology, the new hotness is blogging. What's really popular at this time? Oh, I don't know. Shakira, the Oilers, whatever else is 2006, bling, bling, and black eyed peas, right? Mm-hmm. So... 
I'm like, KJ and poor Jay, like everything we do, it's always like, Wanya has an idea and it's bad and he makes Jay do it. And Jay tries <laughs> to keep things on the rails and Wanya doesn't care. And Wanya's getting sued and Wanya's causing shit and Jay's trying to like clean up the mess, right? Yeah. And I was like, Jay, this is going to work. And I always think everything's going to be like two seconds. It's going to take like a week. Everything's going to take no time. It's going to be done quick. And I was like, Jay, we're going to get this web set up and running. There's 21 writers or 21 websites out there. Websites. Some had like six writers. And I was like, I'm going to cherry pick six good writers. And these guys are going to write for us. And then we're going to focus on like merchandising and selling advertising and learning how this shit works. And he's like, okay. How far into the so, process was this? Like, was prior this immediate? To, prior to spending any money. I was like, okay. this is how this is going to go. The next six months. We're going to build this site. I'll be in charge. I'll recruit the writers. You split it 50-50 with me and we'll underwrite the cost together. Right? And we were literally like, this is why we had to live together, man. Because we spent all our money on our businesses. I remember like very early on after pitching Jason Greger, having like no money for six weeks because Greger made so much money and me and Jay had to split his paycheck off our paycheck. So we're making money at our real jobs. And you're like, do you know how to budget? I'm like, yes. 60% of my spending money goes to hiring mainstream media. So by the time I sent out emails to all these folks thinking they would line up working for us, um, not a single writer even took the time to tell us to fuck off. Really? Nope. And I know spam emails. I know how to write things to get people's attention. Like, we are real people. We have real money. We did this company before. We want to do this now. This is important. I see you're writing for free. Would you like to get money? And You know as well as I know now in 2022 bloggers and content creators we're an interesting bunch yep we don't move for money we move for whatever moves us and it ain't usually cash and everybody was just like this website is stupid i remember somebody telling me wasn't a writer but just like somebody early on's like there's so many oilers websites out there you're just another one on the pile and i was like oh but we have a cool name and they're like all of them have cool names right So then I go back to Jay and I'm like, uh, so regarding our Orly's website, there is an enormous problem. (laughs) And he's like, well, what? And I'm like, well, we've probably spent close to 10 grand building this website and nobody wants to work for us. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, I thought there was all these writers out there. I'm like, yes, and they do exist. They just hate us because we apparently are stupid and we're not part of the club. And he's like, well, now what are we going to do? And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I uh, thought this might happen, even though I didn't. I was like, I'll just write. And I remember him being like, you, what are you going to write about? I'm like, I do not know, but you have my word because we spent all this money. I will write every day for a year until I figure something up. Yeah. And so that's why I started writing for Oilers Nation in the beginning. And I made poor Bingo feel my grade three friend helped me because he used to run the gateway. And I was like, do you know how to be a professional editor? And he's like, why? What do you have on the go? I'm like, a website with one single writer and it's me. And he was like, well, this can't miss. And he came on board and like helped me figure out how publishing worked and shit like that. It was pretty interesting in the beginning days with him. He knew a lot. And uh, then I wrote every single day for a year. And by the end of the first year, probably when we started talking you and i we were doing 80 to ninety thousand page views a month which is pretty amazing considering now looking back like that's not bad for a one-man band with no social media yeah social media wasn't even around for years nope that was one of the amazing things bingofield brought to the table we got on twitter really early on because he was heavy duty into like blogging and publishing and he's like there's micro blogging and i was like i don't know what that means but i want one 
Yeah. And, I remember uh, I remember you texting me to say that I should start a Twitter account. I'm like, I don't yeah. even know what Twitter is. Yeah. And yeah, it just, at that point, it was just basically six of us yelling into no yelling to no one except each other. Well, you had uh, jean shorts and bag milk, which I was like petrified was I'm like, these guys are better writers than us. They're funnier than us. They have more friends than us on and offline. If we don't work with these guys, they're just going to scoop us and they're going to just take all the Oilers fans and write all the funny shit. And there won't be any jokes left for the rest of us. I was like really worried about that in the early days. Which is very interesting because I thought from my perspective that, like I said, Oilers Nation was the biggest website on the internet and I wanted (laughs) to be a part of it. One thing I think we've learned together and I, correct me if I'm wrong, is that like the internet is a weird place for sure, right? Is it? Yeah, but people who say yes to weird shit in the long run win. Yeah, I've always been kind of the person that I don't like when people tell me I can't do something. So I always thought that when I started blogging just about pop culture and music and eventually about the Oilers and it turned into bag milk or whatever, that people were like, that's a waste of your time. You're never going to make any money. You're not doing anything. I was like, ah, fuck you. I'm just going to do it anyway, because this is what I would be doing even if you weren't telling me anything. So to find other people that were like-minded in that space was incredibly important. And that's why ultimately um, somebody who's nice, like you're a nice person by nature. Right. So like being around you doesn't stress me out. Whereas like when I'm dealing with crazy people, I'm a, well, you see it. I'm an entirely different version of myself. And I was like, this bag milk guy, he's nice. He gets it. He's nice. And I just kept coming back to nice when I first met you. Yeah, I try to be. Um, But a valuable skill, man. It's underappreciated in society. Being nice really is helpful. Do you remember, like, I don't even know, I'm just, do you even remember why you decided to give me a chance to write at Oilers Nation? Because at one point, uh, I was just doing a weekly column, the first thing I ever did for ON, and it was called yeah. The Righteous Sack Beating, which was essentially just me ranting and raving about everything that bothered me once a week. But Rosenhardt had that name. He was like, you should call it The Righteous Sack Beating. I was like, you're a hundred times funnier than me, Rosenhardt. It's true. Why did I want to work with you? I thought you were funnier than I was and a better writer than I was. I was like, you're the first guy that I consider to be more talented than me who will talk to me. Well, and also I was consistent, I think would probably help because I think at that point I was trying to get writers from my website as well. And it just getting people that would consistently do anything is, is nearly impossible, especially for yeah, free. No, you were a pro right off the hop. I remember, um, being like, dude, can you run the social media account for Others Nation? Because all it does right now is I wrote like a script that tweets links to our article. That was before yep. Hootsuite. Like we were the first people I ever heard of that were tweeting links. Yeah, right? I remember when I first, when you first asked me to do that, we went for a walk downtown. We were walking around and we were just kind of bullshitting and just kind of looking around and talking shop. And then you're like, you should come run the, you should come run the ON account because right now it's got, I think it was like 5,000 followers at that point. Which to me was like every follower there was to have. <laughs> there, like I remember being incredibly intimidated at that point because I was like 5,000 followers. What the fuck? That's the most people I've ever spoken to in any, in any platform ever. I don't know if I can do this. And it was basically like, yeah. I remember I did get paid for it, but it was next to nothing. And the, but why I wanted to do it was just because I thought it would be fun. And I thought ultimately it would be my foot in the door. At that point, I was working for a big company. I didn't want to do it. I was sitting in my gray cubicle, hating life. And I just thought maybe this would be the entry point into something bigger. I didn't 
expect Twitter at that time to go from where we were at at 5,000 followers up until, I mean, it shot very quickly once we started adding some personality in there. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, one of the things that and you and I have talked about this in the past many times is like, unfortunately, the entry point to doing what you want to do in life, whether that's being a hockey blogger or whether that's being a space cowboy or being a French chef or whatever it is, they aren't offering these jobs on monster.com. No. And you're going to have to make your own lane. And like, I can remember being little being like, one day I'll be on a newspaper website and they'll be listing who wants to be a trillionaire click here for your job it's gonna be that simple and i'll be like i have a business degree therefore it's time for business and i thought that like if you get that degree you're gonna get that job and it was very very unclear to me especially when i graduated like i didn't understand how to get a job and nobody wanted to hire me ever one time i went to a job interview at the sherd park crusaders you know that team of course And they were looking for a marketing guy. And I was like, oh, shit, I love hockey. And I just came off doing a bar. And I know all sorts of liquor reps. And I know all sorts of people. And we can have parties at the game. And I got all these ideas. So I sent with my job application and my resume, probably, no exaggeration, a 10-page letter of all my ideas. I'm like, I'm going to give them to them right off the hop. right? (laughs) Yeah, all these things. And I go into the job interview. And like, I'm wearing a suit and I've got three pairs of socks on and my hair is very stylishly coiffed. And I go in and I look at my resume and the guy had written on the front page, bullshit with a line underneath it. <laughs> and I was just like, what the fuck? And then the guy's like, all right, what do you want to work here for? And I was like, why did you write bullshit on my resume? <laughs> and the guy was like, uh-huh, because I read it like upside down across the desk. And I don't think yeah. he expected me to like look at the cover page. And I'm like, why would you write that on there? He's just like, well, it just seems to me like you have like a lot of ideas. I'm like, those are all very good ideas. You'd be fucking lucky to implement half of them in your team. And he's like, well, I just, you know, you wrote a lot. I just, it seems to be like you're a bullshitter. Like not a liar, but just like a guy who will talk a lot. And I was like, I don't want to work for this team. And then I got up and left. And poor Jay had to drive me to the job interview. And he's like, what are you done already? I'm like, that did not go well at all. And then we drove away. And I think that like having opportunities presented to you are extraordinarily rare. Yes. And even if you go to a job interview with the Sherwood Park Crusaders, a job at that time I was very well qualified for in my mind, they may just be like, you know what? You're full of shit, even if you're not. Yeah. So what you need to do is be like, oh, okay, well, if I want to be a sports writer, I'm going to start out by being a blogger. And bloggers work for free. And the nice thing about doing something for free is no one can tell you not to do it. Right. And like you and I are big fans of that. Like, well, what if we just did a podcast together for like 700 weeks in a row? (laughs) Well, no one can tell you not to. So why don't you? Right. When I was talking to Frank Saravalli, fast forward to 2020 and we've moved the needle a lot on the business. And we're like, we need to go get the number one hockey reporter in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, wow, is it Jason Greger? And Jay's like, damn it, you need to start paying attention to other markets. (laughs) I'm like, that Jason Greger, he got it going on. All I do is listen to Greger on the radio and read Oilers Nation still. And he's like, no, no, it's Frank Saravalli. Greger knows him, blah, blah, blah. I need you to go call him up and pitch him, right? And I'm good at first contact. I'm bad after that, but I'm good at getting people excited. 
So I'm like, no problem. So I call Frank Cervalli up in Philadelphia, wherever the hell he was. And I'm like, how am I going to fucking pitch this guy who's the head of the Professional Hockey Writers Association when I'm still the guy getting told I'm a bullshitter by the Spruce Grove Saints? The Sherwood Park Crusaders, rather. I'm still the same dude. Like, it isn't like I've gotten smarter. If anything, I've gotten dumber, right? So I get Sarah Valley on the horn, and I'm like, how did you get into sports writing? Like, I know you're a huge deal now, and you're on TV and blah, 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 but how did you start? And it turns out his first job was writing for a uh, uh, like a minor rink newsletter, basically, where they put these newsletters in all the minor hockey rinks in Pennsylvania. Essentially the coffee news, but for that area. Yep. And for some reason, the Flyers gave them a press pass. And somehow Frank Cervalli was sitting in a minor hockey rink reading this newsletter. And it's like, do you want to work for us for free? And he was like, do I ever? And he's like, I started working for this terrible publication writing like it was the biggest thing in the world. Excuse me. And then um, they were like, do you want to be our Flyers reporter? Like a year later or something. And so the point of the story is that like very unglamorous shit can always be done to advance your path in life. Right. When you were like, I'm getting reporters or writers from my own website, but I'm still going to try to work with Oilers nation, even if it's not for a lot of money, because I want to learn. That's what led to where we are today. It wasn't that like some big opportunity presented itself. It was a very small and shitty opportunity as a matter of fact. But at the time for me, it was a huge opportunity because I thought it was going to be one of those things where I was going to do this anyway. I might as well do it again for what I thought was the biggest Oilers website on the planet. Cool. And I thought it was super cool that I got the chance to get at bats in because yeah. the only way you ever get good at anything is practice. Yep. And to do it it's on true. that website was incredibly cool for me. Super cool. 100%. And you were very good. And, and like I said, like your, I remember, um, I don't know if you want to talk about this now, but when you went to PP, right? Sure. And I was like, wow, Bag Milk went to Thailand. And I later went to PP. And yeah. the only reason I went there was I wanted to basically impress you that I too could go to PP. Because when you were talking about it, I was like, this sounds phenomenal. But I remember even when you were in PP, you were writing articles for Jean Shorts and Bag Milk. Yeah. And I was like, that must be amazing. Because at that point, I didn't even have a passport, right? I'd never been anywhere. And I was like, can you imagine being in Thailand, writing about the Oilers? Like, man, that's the dream. So I think a lot of time I thought you had it figured out. A lot of time you thought I had it figured out. Yeah. uh, And ultimately, what those articles were, were, again, more at-bats that I was doing for free. Mm -hmm. And as the kind of the soapbox grew, I guess, it presented different opportunities. I still think back to when you, Jay, and I met at Brewster's. You got to. We met at Brewster's, and that's where I gave you guys kind of my pitch of why I should be a a full-time employee. Now, at that point, I had already been doing social media for ON for a while. I'd been doing- And it was crushing your real career. I remember you messaging me a photo (laughs) of being on a like a slide deck of why you're a bag of shit at work. And they're like, what's this all about? I was like, uh, what the fuck? (laughs) They called me into a boardroom and it was my immediate supervisor, the the department head, and there was an HR rep in there as well. So there was three people. So I walked into the room and I was just like, well, this is no good. There's, there's I've no seen interventions before. This never ends well. 
And then I looked up on the wall. They had like just a projection screen up on the wall. And there was tweets from me under Oilers Nation up on the wall. Oh, no. And I was just Were you like, doing it from your computer? Yeah, I was doing it from my work computer. Oh, yeah. So I would yeah. just be doing my thing. And so it was very like stop start the job I had at that point. Yeah. And yeah. it was like do something for 15 minutes and then you would maybe have five minutes idle. So in those five minutes idle, I would be cranking out tweets for OED, just like pumping them out. And then sometimes the clock would roll over and I was back on a work time, but I wasn't finished doing what I wanted to do for ON. So that's ultimately what led me into that room with my tweets up on the, on the board. Cause I remember what it was. Fuck. I don't remember who they lost to, but uh, they lost to somebody. And I said that if they do one more of these, I'm going to jump off the high level bridge or something. Like that. <laughs> and they were just like, first of all, are you okay? Second of all, stop <laughs> it. Third, you've lost your quarterly bonuses. And I just went, that's when we had to start paying you. I remember that. Cause you were like, uh, I lost my bonus because of this. And I was like, Hmm, how much is that? I remember what you said. And I was like, very well. Now your compensation <laughs> is equal to the bonus you lost. Out on. But at the same point, oh, it's just man. like, it was annoying, but I also saw it almost as a means to an end because I thought, again, my foot was in the door to where I wanted to be. I didn't necessarily. Well, this is where you've been always been good, man. Is it like, it's not, I don't like the saying like, you're a good soldier. Cause like, that's stupid. Like the generals need to be good soldiers. Everybody needs to be a good soldier. Everybody needs to be a good soldier, but you're good at like knowing when to just sort of take a loss and not freak out. Like you're very calm that way. Even now I feel we like... writers that go bananas and I'm like, you should put their head on a stick. You're like, well, how about I just do this and be a reasonable person instead? Like you're good at keeping your calm. But I also think that you taught, you're a big reason that you taught me that. Like I had, Me? A, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm way too fucking aggressive. No, well, at times, sure, but like, there's also times when you're very calm and collected. Where, if you remember, I lost some money my first ever time investing in anything. I was, t- <laughs> I, I told you about it. It was six thousand yeah, yeah. dollars, which to me at yeah. that time Speed in my legs. life was just so much money, and I was excited yeah. about it. And I remember going yeah. to yours and Jay's house, and I was showing you how it worked, and I was yeah, all fired up about good. it. And you were like, "Okay." um well let's see how it goes and then fast forward literally minutes and i'm just like i lost all my money i'm never doing anything again (laughs) and what you told me is like no man that's not how this works yes it sucks that you lost your your, you lost six grand and you're 24 or whatever it was at that time that's not that's a lot of money not folded money that's a lot of money man but ultimately you taught me that hey man Speed bumps happen. Sometimes you gotta you gotta bounce back. You gotta adjust. You gotta bob and weave, and you gotta get back on the horse. And I remember the conversation too because we were walking through the river valley, and you were we love the river this. valley. Damn, love that was it. early on, eh? Yeah. Of course, you were telling me about it, and I just kind of like, okay, pick your shit up, dust yourself off, and get back at it. And ultimately, that's why I became a lot more calm when it comes to some of this stuff, is because of that conversation we had at this point. Hmm. 12, 13, 14 years ago. We were probably walking around Riverdale. Where were we walking around? Yeah. Yeah. It was a, uh, no, not Riverdale. It was, it was down by the ballpark. Oh, was it? Yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, you've, it's good. I mean, these are why we're good coworkers. This is why we're buddies is because we think the other one's the one who knew everything. Well, I see a lot of people talk themselves out of everything, right? Very rarely do I see people over the long run or like, man, that gal has tried everything and it didn't work. You never really see that. What you see is somebody who tried a couple things and then convinced themselves that everything's impossible and that's the end of everything. Yeah. Right? 
Well, again, that goes but, to that conversation we had where you're just like, no, no, one loss of six grand. Again, that's a kick to the pills nobody wants, but nobody wants it. Ultimately, you got to move forward. It's just $6,000. You're not dead. You so, have developed, and this is like a weird, this is like we're giving each other our flowers. This is what, this is what podcasting is about. Just congratulating each other. Over the pants handies for everybody. Of course, of course. You've developed excellent investor instincts and skills as time has gone on. Like of most everyone I know, you're doing the most and I respect it. Well, I also don't like being told that I can't do something. And I was telling you this when we were talking two days ago, even about this podcast, I was having people tell me, don't do it. It's just you. It's by yourself. It's you can't do a podcast by yourself. And I just, I was like, I don't give a fuck. Fuck you. That's what I say to those people. I don't give a fuck because I want to do it anyway. And I'm in my house. I'll buy a little bit of equipment. I'll set myself up a little mini studio and I'm going to take swings and I'm going to see what happens from it. And ultimately so far, at least it's working. I'm having a good time with it. I got to talk to my friends. I got to talk about the Oilers. I got to pay my stupid sound effects that people either like or don't like. And I just have a good time with it. And to have sponsors come on is a bonus because I would have probably done it for free. Don't tell Jay that we are. No, no, never, never, never. Capitalism. It's the best ism. Um, That's the spirit of Bcast. That's the spirit of jean shorts and bagmilk.com. That's the spirit of Oilers Nation. Just that spirit of like, you know what? No one can tell me what to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to try it. And I'm going to work on it on my own. That's the spirit of how to get ahead. I swear. It's not like I'm going to do my homework and be in class at 801 every morning. Because like, okay, that's part of it. But are you willing to lose $6,000 on speed links? No. Well, then you're never going to make 60 million zillion on crypto one day. Yeah. Because you don't have the discipline take money out of your wallet and put it into shit because you spend it all on trousers or whatever people buy. Well, and I also don't like waiting sometimes. And for this podcast, again, I pitched it. I was just like, I want to do my own thing, but I want to do it for my house. It's like, oh, well, we have the studio in, at the HQ. And I was, of course, we've got all the equipment there, but I want to be able to record something at midnight in my undies if yeah. I want. So I just yeah. went out and bought it. I didn't wait for yeah. anybody to tell me to or not. I just did it. Yep. And yep. I think if there's a lesson for anybody listening to this wank fest is that sometimes you just got to try stuff. You just got to take swings. Take swings out. If there's anybody listening to this, first of all, I apologize. Secondly, if you're expecting some sort of gardening podcast or something, we're going to get to it, but not right now. But number three, it's hard in a world where everyone's always trying to flex on each other yeah. to actually put yourself out there and try something. Yes. And the fear is like, well, what if my stupid uncle says I'm stupid? You know what? As somebody who's failed in life and now succeeded in life and then failed and succeeded and back and forth like a fucking metronome, the same people who shit on you for failing hate on you when you win. Yes. Your shitty uncle at Christmas is like, how's that thing you were working on? If you're like, oh, it didn't work out. He's like, I knew it. If he's like, how's that thing you're working on? And you're like, oh, it actually blew the fuck up. He's going to be like, "Mm, you're still a shithead. So yeah. If you're doing things for other people, you're always going to be disappointed because no one ever, very rarely is anyone ever happy for anyone ever. No, 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 no. Right. Do you remember when you kind of made it, was there like a conscious decision on your part of when you wanted to be an entrepreneur and start your own businesses as opposed to working for somebody else? Really, really little. I don't know what's the matter with me. Something. There is something the matter with me. If we counted my rings and cut me in half like a tree, we'd find out there's something going wrong. But <laughs> when I was like seven or eight, yeah. my parents bought me a book on hamsters because I got a hamster. 
So like, here's this little book on hamsters. You can read about hamsters. And I was like, cool. And I'm reading through and there's this kind of hamster and that kind of hamster and blah, blah, blah. And then there was a page on breeding hamsters for money. And I read it and it was like eight words. And I was like, huh, you can make two hamsters into three hamsters for the price of two hamsters. And this was like one of the first times I'd ever really thought about how to actually make something new. Right. And then when I was in junior high, I started shoveling my neighbor's snow all the time because I wanted money. I don't know what for what I wanted it for, but I wanted money for shit. And I bought, and I shit you not, I still remember it to this day. I still have it. The Don LaPree money-making system. And I'm sure Don LaPree's in jail. He should be. He's a crook. But he was selling (laughs) late-night infomercial, how to make money, how to start a business, how to get a computer, how to get a computer business. And this is like late 90s. This is very early on, very late at night. And I went to my parents. and I was like, I need to buy the Don LaPree money-making system. And they were like, you do not need to buy the Don LaPree <laughs> money-making system. And it was like hundreds and hundreds of dollars, man. Like, no joke. And I shoveled snow. And I paid them. And they bought it. And it arrived. And I thought it was going to be like encyclopedias of knowledge. And it was like little folders, right? It was terrible. Yeah. But it was like, I remember there was an image of a computer and money sticking out the disk drive. And I was like, damn, you can make money off computers? Like, I had no earthly idea, right? So then I started to, um, what made me want to have money was, believe it or not, the Oilers. So prior to the age of like 14, nobody in my family likes hockey. Like my sister does now because we're crazy about it. But in those days, she's younger than me. She didn't know. My parents don't like hockey at all. At all. Interesting. I didn't go to a single Oilers game as a child. None. And the Oilers were going to leave town. I remember so probably a little bit. Yeah. A little, were you young enough to be scared or was this adult business? I, I was, I was, I was old enough to know what was going on. I think I was about yeah. grade seven or eight at that point. And I just remember that, that that's when I was really starting to fall in love with the Oilers was at that time. Yeah. And I just, I remember having them as my team. And I remember the Oilers being what I wanted to watch all the time because my dad used to work for the city of Edmonton and they would enter raffles all the time and they would give away tickets. And I always felt like the best thing we ever did was my brother, my dad and I going to hockey games. The first game I ever went to was against the Red Wings. And he was telling me about the history of the Red Wings and and how they were like a dynasty and how we love Gordy Howe and the octopus and all that shit. And I love the yeah. whole thing. And he bought me a cotton candy and it was at, uh, at that yeah. time, Northlands. It just, it was the best vibe. And in those days when you were up in the gallery and there was nobody down, cause this was the early nineties, you could yeah. just kind of weave your way down into the seats in the lower bowl. And that's what we would do in the second period. And I just remember thinking it was the coolest fucking thing of all time. I remember loving and I mean, loving Craig McTavish because he was the only guy <laughs> out there without a bucket. And I you was just tell like, who he was guy, at all times. Yes. Yeah. And I just remember, I was like, I don't know what's going on. I want to make the NHL because at that point I was playing minor hockey and I thought that was the trajectory that my life was on. It didn't work, I, but I wanted to do something with sports. From the time I was really, really little, I wanted to do something with sports. I didn't play hockey at all except for grade six. Like I can't even skate backwards. Sometimes I'll talk to people as the other nation guy, and they're like, so uh, you're a real big guy there. Uh, who'd you play for? I'm like, uh, the university of nobody never, because I don't even know how to skate. And they're like, hmm, that seems like a waste. Right. 
So I'm like 13, 12. I'm starting to stay up later at night, right? As a kid, my mm-hmm. parents can't tell me to go to sleep because I can read books under the covers or do whatever kids sure. do. And that's how I found John Short. Oh, cool. And John Short, his broadcast day ended, I think, at midnight, right? So from go to bed, go in your room and close the door at least, to midnight, I would listen to soothing talk radio. And the only topic was hockey, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of interesting. And I started listening to the Oilers kind of around 92, 93-ish, right? And then um, they were going to move. And Pockminton was saying they're moving. And I can recall like watching TSN Sports Desk and they had like a for sale sign, like it was a house for sale that said Oilers. And I remember the narrative, Edmonton media and national media alike was like, Edmonton is a shithole. They can't afford nothing. Nobody wants to be here. What a dump. And I can remember this like freaking me out as a child because I already loved Edmonton. And I love the Oilers. And I just couldn't fathom that they were going to move. But Gretzky would already left. Right? So, like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't they leave? And I'm like, holy shit. This is fucking ridiculous. I just got on board this train. I love the Oilers. If these fuckers move. And then Gary Bettman came to town, of all people. The brand new commissioner of the league. And Pockington was like, we're moving, and I have a deal with Les Alexander down in Houston for 100 bazillions. And I was like, well, this is the end of everything. And Gary Batman came in and held a press conference without Peter Poppington present and said, the Oilers are not going anywhere. And I couldn't believe that there was somebody in this planet who could overrule the guy who traded Gretzky. Mm-hmm. And he did a deal with um, Superstore. Gary Batman did a deal with Superstore. So Superstore, I believe, bought 3,000 season tickets, if I remember correctly. And they sold them at the um, cashiers for a year. And those season tickets allowed the Oilers to get to the floor of the small market subsidy for the NHL. And I think they got a few million dollars a year then in subsidies, which was the difference between being able to make a go of it and not. Yeah. And then when Pockington tried was selling the team, there was a clause in the ATB contract for the loan against the team that they had the right to find a new buyer within a certain amount of time if he ever tried to sell the debt. And so ATB actually ended up helping save the Oilers and they don't get enough credit for that. So Gary Bettman comes to town and he's like, on the way out, I assure you the Oilers are not going anywhere. And I call on Oilers fans to support their team. I remember him saying this and I was like, huh, support the team. And I went to my grandma my grandma is like my favorite lady of all time. And she was like, at this point, 88, blind as a bat. She had no, no good eye. And I was like, Grandma, Gary Batman says we need to support the team. And she's like, that's nice, dear. What did you have in mind? And I was like, well, I don't know. I'm just some kid. I don't have any money. I remember saying this to her. And she's like, well, you have as much money as you need to. There's always things you can do to get money if there's something that you want. And this was the 1994 strike. So there was also a strike going on at this point. And the prorated half-year season tickets on the gallery at um, Rexall Place, or at that time it was, I guess, Northland or Skyreach maybe, it was like $300 or something for the season ticket. And so I said to my grandma, if I work really hard and buy one season ticket, will you come to Oilers games with me? 
And she's like, yeah, of course, which is so nice of a lady that any lady, sure. especially a lady that old. That's why I love Queen Elizabeth. I really love my grandma. And she's the spitting image of her. And even though she was blind and even though she was really old, she would bundle up with me and we would take a taxi to the game early as hell because she wasn't moving very well. And we would take a freight elevator up to our seats, right? And that's what made me have to become an entrepreneur, truly, was paying for others. Do you remember who your favorite player was back then? Well, I really liked Jason Arnett until yeah. he spat in the face of the team and left. And sometimes I think when I hate Taylor Hall, I'm actually remembering Jason Arnett because they both have huge teeth. <laughs> I really liked Doug Wade. <laughs> yeah. I really liked Doug Wade. And when Doug Wade had the 104 point season, that was a few years later, I was already like big time Oilers. Like I drew them all in weird little notebooks and shit you do in your little. And I'd like look at my drawings. I wrote their stats aside. I don't know what I was doing. Um, I love Doug Wade. I really like Bill Ranford. Yep. He's uh, my dude. Bill Ranford was one of those NHL players that kind of, he was almost like godlike to me in the sense, because mm-hmm. back in the day, if you remember, you could walk right out, right down into the basement at Rexall Place and stand outside the yep. dressing room. So yes, my dad Kevin used to... Lowe talked to me once. Sorry to interrupt. Kevin Lowe talked to me once when I was older, like, I don't know, 14, 13. I went down there like I was his best friend. And I'll never, ever forget him for that. Like, people shit on Kevin Lowe. Kevin Lowe talked to young Oilers fans like they were his friend. And that's invaluable. And that's exactly my experience with Bill Ranford. Because my dad took me down there. I was wearing a little Oilers hat. And I was wearing a little Oilers jacket. And it yep. was the only Oilers items I owned was those two things. Yep. And I wore them basically to sleep. Yes. And Bill Ranford walked over to me directly because at that point I was probably six or seven. And he just says, Hey man, did you enjoy the game? That's cool. Do you play hockey? Just like the, you know, the pleasantries. But to me, that meant everything. And then he signed a program yep. for me and I still have it. It's in my house. That's and sick. I think about that all the time because Bill Ranford is one of those guys that, Oh, this this is why I'm an Oilers fan is because of guys like Bill Ranford. I think no matter what team you cheer for or sport, or maybe you love horseback riding or who the hell knows what your thing is, it usually comes down to somebody you spent time doing that with in your early years. Sure. Yep. So it's like, I love the Dallas Cowboys. Very rarely are you like, because of Dax Prescott or whoever the fuck plays with this team. And it's growing percentage. Like very rarely is that why you're sure. into a team. It's I went to the games with my dad or I went to the games with my grandma and I really love my grandma and she's not here anymore. And I remember like when the arena shut, I went to our old seats, right? When mm-hmm. you're the Rexall place shut. Uh, 2016-17 was the first year. 2016, okay. So we're now 20 years past me going to games with my grandma. And I got an old season ticket stub i got two tickets and i kept every ticket too that's another weird thing i did i kept programs tickets all sorts of shit and i went back to our seats and laid our old tickets on top of the seats it was like grandma it's the future car mcdavid like i had like a conversation with her right and like that's really why i love the oilers it's just like i love those times being a 13 year old being a 14 year old it's hard to be that age right get pushed around at school parents are fighting whatever the fuck's going on in your life it's all the same for all these little kids and you generally find a thing that's your thing right and it just so happened for me it was watching the oilers and i used to literally sit in our seats and talk shit out loud about the oilers and people around me would laugh 
And I remember I was watching something about a stand-up comedian recently, and they, and they were like, when's the first time you realized being funny was fun? And he told some story about watching football games with his family, and he'd make fun of the team, and they would all laugh. And I was like, man, I used to sit at the Rexall place and shit talk like Boris Mironov. I hated Boris Mironov. <laughs> and I'd call him Bobo. And I would just sit there and shit talk. And people around me, some liked it, some didn't. I was training for Twitter. Really were, essentially. By yelling in the streets. Yeah, fuck, same shit. Let's get back to the website for a second because I want to bring you back to where you said, I want to talk about pitching Jason Greger. Episode oh two of Better Late Than Never, I asked Gregor from his perspective on what it was like, and you guys took him to Century Grill, and he talked you did about- The fanciest restaurant in town was Century Grill. I couldn't think of a nicer place. Continue. Gregor, from his perspective, and it was very funny to hear his side of it because he's just like, I don't think they were ready to pitch me at that point because at that stage, he had owned his own show, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and he was getting- show. He was getting into the entrepreneurial spirit. So he pitched back to you guys an ownership stake in the nation at that stage. And he's just like, I think I completely floored them because I don't know that they expected that. So I want to hear your side of the. I was like, Brownlee worked for the site already. And Robin Brownlee is my favorite Oilers writer of all time. I have shoe boxes in my closet next to my old Oilers programs of Robin Brownlee articles that I was either mad at or agreed with. And I cut them out and highlighted in orange if I was mad, in green if it was good. And I would read these things and get worked up as a kid, right? Be like, God damn, Brownlee, he doesn't understand Nick Stadjahar is the future. What a twat, or whatever I thought, right? Yep. And so once I started writing for the site a whole bunch, and I think you came on board at this point, I think we had a couple other folks that were working for us. Amber McCormick, remember? Yep, of course. Love Amber. Uh, she was like a stand-up comedian and we had her write for us. We're trying different things out. Sure. And I was like, okay, we got to get real reporters. And so we pitched Brownlee, took him to Earl's, very fancy place. Of course. Robin Brownlee, I remember him saying to me, I don't believe in computers. I don't care about <laughs> the internet. If you're writing checks, I'll work for the oil for you. That's what he said. It was just basically like, if you have money, you have a deal. And I was like, this is unbelievable. So we work with Brownlee and we're getting a little bit more traction. And I was like, okay, who's the best? Who's the person we want to talk to most? And I remember sitting down with Jay. And at this point, Gregor didn't have the drive time show. He was, oh, at was he still at midnight or yeah. something, whatever it was. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, like, I listened to all the shows. I listened to John Short. I listened to John Sexsmith. I listened to Bob Stoffer. I listened to Jason Greger. I can't remember who else was doing it at the time. But I listened to it all. And I was like, Jason Greger, I just, I think that he's young. And I think that he's got something. And fuck it. We're going to pitch him. And so we had Brownlee get in touch with him. And Brownlee was like, I don't know about this. And I'm like, shut up, Brownlee. You can't be the only writer on the website. <laughs> and I remember... It was like, he, he'll meet, but where do you want to meet? And I was like, damn. I, I thought, and to this day, thing, Jason Greger is like a big deal. Like, legitimately. When I go with Jason Greger on the town, and people are like, there's Jason Greger. I'm like, yeah, it's right. And I'm his Sherpa. And we're going up the mountain. Right? And so Century Grill was the fanciest place I could think of. And we went there. And he just has a presence about him. Right? And he sat down and I was like, you should write for our website. He's like, I don't give a shit about your website. I have my own website and I own my own show and I sell my own ads. And I was like, you know how to sell ads? And he's like, of course I do. And I'm going to get a drive time show right away. And he had it all laid out. 
He knew what he was doing. And so I pitched him and I was like, just like Robin Brownlee, we will pay you money. And then Greg, Jay was like, where are we getting that money from? I'm like, there's a problem for an hour from now. Let's just see if he'll take it. And he said no originally. And then we had a subsequent follow-up meeting with him again where I think he said no again. And he was just like, I'm killing it, man. I don't need no waste of time. Like, I'm Jason Greger of the Capital J. And then he came back and was like, I'll do it if I can own part of it. And I remember going back to Jay and being like, well, Gregor's in, but he wants to own part of it. He's like, we can't let him own it. It's not worth anything. I remember him saying that. I was like, oh, whatever. We'll figure it out down the road. Well, JG don't know no better. He thinks everything's worth a thousand trillion dollars. So, yeah. So he's not wrong. Were we not ready to pitch him? I don't know, man. I had a full practice pitch before we went to Century Grill where I had Jay pretend to be Jason Gregor. And I don't recall it going much better or worse. Like we were trying our best. I don't know what the hell he's talking about there. Yeah, he says it was until the second meeting. The patio at Hudson's is what he said, yeah. where it yeah. finally kind of came together. So you had Brownlee, you had Gregor, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. writing. Mm-hmm. When do you start to notice that the website starts to actually have some traction and moving in the direction that you thought it would? This is funny, Matt. I was going to ask you the same question. To me, because I don't, like I pay attention to analytics, of course, but very quickly things reach a point where, like when we had 90,000 page views a month, I was literally walking around town. Like I legitimately thought I owned Yahoo, right? Like it didn't take a lot for me to be blown away by success. So I thought it was like incredibly successful about an hour after the first person. Did. I thought we were successful when it turned out you were a real person. Yeah. Uh, and as it turns out, one of the few real people on the website at that point, mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. It's been a very slow burn, right? I mean, it's been 14 years and the bulk of our growth has come from acquisitions, right? The first phase of our business was, can we establish Oilers Nation? The second phase of our business was, can we establish Oilers Nation as a credible news source, right? Mm-hmm. And that's getting Brownlee, that's getting Gregor on board. Then we wanted to see if we could make another Oilers Nation. So we did Flames Nation and we got Kent yep. Wilson involved and I had to travel down to Calgary all the time and pitch Kent Wilson. <laughs> And then we got Canucks Army up and running in 2010. And then we bought NHLnumbers.com. Yep. And we bought it because it was a hockey website. There weren't many of them then or now. And I was like, there's one for sale. We'll buy it. And we did. And so buying hockey fights was crazy to me then and now. Buying Daily Face Off was insane then and now. And that's what I think I really kind of wised up to the fact that this was getting big was because we were adding things to the pile on top of what we'd already done. It would have been just as easy to stay with just Oilers Nation, right? And be like, we're going to be the Oilers website and all the other 30 teams can go fuck themselves, which is I believe they should anyways, right? Of course. But we recognized, I think, early on, there's more ability to earn revenue and hire people and do cool things if we're taking up more and more and more mind space of different teams, mm-hmm. Right. And that's why we started mushing them all together into the network. I actually think if I remember correctly, I came on full time and hockey fights and daily face off came shortly after like bang, bang. I remember mm-hmm. I was going for going to transcend for uh, transcend for just a coffee. And you're like, oh, we're going to buy hockey fights. And I was just like, holy really? Shit. Would I look stressed out or confident? 
No, the, I mean, not stressed out at all. We were just talking oh. about what it was like to have a website that big. And then at that time, you know, David Singer was, you were telling me about the pitch meetings with him and oh my what, God. and who he was and what he did. And I was just like, Oh my God, you're talking to a guy who's, he was like working for NBC or some shit like that at, yeah. at that point. And I was like, Oh my God, you're talking to the most famous people on earth. It was crazy. I was like, okay, what I tried to start at the, if I'm going to get told no, I'd rather be told no by somebody that I look up to, <laughs> right? Than people that I don't necessarily know or care. And I was like, what would be the craziest shit to buy? Because I was like, you can buy websites. It didn't really occur to me in the beginning if I had to start websites, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wonder how much it would cost. So I wrote down the four sites we wanted to get. And one was on HL Numbers. One was Daily Faceoff. One was Left Wing Walk. And one was HockeyFights.com. Yep. And we ended up getting three or four. And David Singer... Through hacking means, I got his phone number, and he couldn't believe I had his phone number. He told me that later on. And I just kept emailing him and phoning him every 90 days for like years. And he never answered me ever. And I'd be like, hey, David, just checking in up here in Edmonton. Any interest in selling hockey fights? Right. And then the son of a bitch phoned me during the semifinals of the Olympics when Canada was playing. And I was at the pint many beers deep by my dad and he's like told me later on i called to see if you were serious you'd answer during an olympic game and i went in the parking lot of the pine and talked to him for two hours in this entire game and he's just like hockey fights is my baby and i'm like i too have a baby it's called oilers nation have you heard of it no you haven't then you're an idiot and uh by the end of the call i was like there is no sum of money i would not be prepared to pay if it makes sense if you want to sell hockey fights like you can't rip me off, but I'm sure it's enormous and it makes a lot of money. And I will lie to you here and tell you I have money and I will buy it from you. And then if you tell me a price, I will figure out how to get the money after the fact. And that's how we ended up doing it. And it was a good size transaction too. Like it, afterwards, like I remember people being like, we take you way more seriously now than you own hockey. Really? That was the one, yeah. Eh? yeah. It took us over a million visitors a month. Mm-hmm. And in the comm score world and the advertising world, like you're simultaneously being told no all the time by advertising pitches yep. and by people that you want to work with. Right. So then when we started including hockey fights in our pitch decks to companies, they'd be like, I've never heard of you, but I've heard of hockey fights. Yeah. 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 But yeah, singer, my boy, then I flew down to long Island. We went to an Islanders game together. And I remember I'm wearing all Oilers gear. The Oilers aren't even playing. <laughs> right. I don't give a shit. How's that sound? Everybody. And then I just proceed to get smashed on American beers. I don't know Singer from a can of paint. And he proceeds to tell me how he started up hockey fights while he was in college. And it was before video. He would just type out descriptions of fights because he Mm -hmm. loved hockey fighting so much. Mm -hmm. And then as technology improved, the reason why hockey fights did so well was he was a very smart web engineer. And by the time I talked to him, he was a senior vice president at CBS. Uh, CBS. And And he still ran hockey fights. Yes. And he was all cloak and dagger and cool and no one knew who he was. And I was like, this is my kind of guy. So anyways, we go to this game. Everyone's looking at me wearing Oilers merch, which makes no sense. And he tells me how the Islanders are going to move to Brooklyn, which didn't even have an arena, I don't think, at this point. But it was only going to be for a couple of years because Wang, Charles Wang, owner of the Islanders, had some trick where he was going to let the team move to Brooklyn get a new arena and have them move back without it counting as the team relocating. And I was like, David Singer, you may be the vice president of CBS, but I know bullshit when I hear it. 
and I dismissed him out of hand, and then it went down exactly as he said it would. Exactly like he said it would. Yeah. One of my first it, one of my first interactions with Singer um, when hockey fights is he was explaining his process to me, and he was showing me these boxes of old VHS tapes that he had yet to convert to digital files. Yeah, he still has it. We've owned the site for a decade. <laughs> Go on, and, Singer. And he's where are you, Singer? Come on, pal. Yeah. And I just Ooh, thought. I just thought it was one of those things where, again, this was a guy who he was going to do it one way or another. And you got this at bats in and he put his hard work in and that's what made hockey fights go. Yep. It was just, man, working at the nation really has been just a school of hard knocks in terms of what it takes to actually get something to go because everybody essentially that works in the company grinds. And if you don't, you stick out. Yeah. And that's like, that was a lesson that I took very early on. I was, we were at fountain tire at that stage. (laughs) If I'm Uh, sure if you're listening to this, you probably heard us tell this story before, but at that point, when I first started with the Weathers nation, our office was in the back of a fountain tire on 105th street. And there was a little office space, but in the back, the walls didn't go floor to ceiling. They just were kind of like, there was a gap at the top of them. And if yeah. they were working on anything in the garage side of it, there'd be fucking dust and stuff pouring oh, over the just wall. just stank like tires everywhere too. Just the worst. But at the same time, it was the coolest thing ever. I remember but- one time, this is unrelated, but related being, I, I, I'm not a sit at the office guy. Like I try my best, but I'm just, I have too much energy, right? I'm running around doing shit. And I remember sitting there one day. I'm like, I have to go to work. This is ridiculous. I have to sit at my desk like a normal person and do whatever people do at their desks. And I sat there and I was there until 5 p.m. And I had a date. And I went on the date and the girl looks at me and goes, why do you smell like tires? <laughs> and I was like, I'm never going to work ever again. Why do well, you smell that- like tires? That smells like success. I remember, uh, so I had just quit my job. It was probably like the second or third week that I worked for the How did the nation. pitch go? Sorry to interrupt. How did the pitch go for you to quit and come to the nation? I don't remember. I pitched you guys. I remember we went to When Brewster's. we went to Brewster's? Yeah, we went to Brewster's. Yeah, and yeah. at that point, you and I were kind of talking about what it would look yeah. like if potentially I left my job and come to work at the nation full time. Jay wasn't yet looped in on all those conversations. I mean, I imagine you guys had conversations about. No, that. no. I prefer to just ambush him at meetings at Brewster's with guys and be like, oh, by the way, this guy's working for us full time. You need to work that out. So we were at Brewster's and I'm sitting there and you guys were on one side of the table and I was on the other side of the table. Yep, and I remember yep. just Jay kind of said something to the effect of what do you think you could do for us? And I was saying all kinds of ideas that at that point were just honestly bullshit that I was coming up with off the top of my head. (laughs) And as soon as like, I saw him nodding his head. Yes. I'm like, I think I might've fucking pulled this off. But Mm -hmm. even then that pitch night at Brewster's, there was still a gap of months between that night and when I actually started. So there was a long way. I was like, Oh, did I fuck this up? Like, I don't know. We shouldn't have any money, man. I remember Jay and I started to interrupt Jay saying, well, okay, like he's good, but how are we going to pay for him? And I was like, we have to pay for him like we did for Gregor, man. Like, let's just take a salary and divide by two. And I remember poor Jay being like, man, I can't keep paying for people out of my personal salary. I don't <laughs> make that much money. The bank. And I was like, maybe you need to get a better job then, you pussy. And what it was, was I just remember the call that you gave me. It's we got the contract for the pint social media. It's time yeah. for you to quit your job. And I was like, 
There's yeah. another way old Wanye likes to fuck up the muddy the waters is I'm like, are there many unrelated things we could also do for money that would distract us from our original goal? Let's do those. But hey, it got me out of the gig. And I remember my first day at Nation HQ, you were going down to Mexico at that point. So oh, yeah. I, I went in there and it was just me and Jay. And I was like, what do you want me to do today? And he's like, I don't know, whatever you want. <laughs> I was just like, whatever you like, want, he said. Yeah. <laughs> I was That's just like, doing, Jay. Oh, okay. And then that's just kind of started the way I filled my day. But to Jay's credit, also, I shared that office with him um, for two, three, four months. And honestly, to his credit, watching you guys run several businesses at once and flipping back and forth taught me work ethic, to be honest. I just thought that I was going to come and I was going to do my little bloggy blogs and I was going to post some tweets and that was going to be it. But then when I saw how hard you guys actually were working at multiple projects at once on top of each other, all at the same time, I was just like, Oh fuck, if I don't pick it up here, I'm going to, I won't be here very long. But what I was going to get to is I remember it was probably the second or third work I was uh, the week I was working there and I brought my dad to the office and at that point. <laughs> I mean, my dad's an older guy, right? Like at that yeah, point, yeah. he had worked for the city of Edmonton and he had worked sure. for Stantec and he had, that's like big company, Real big job, company. successful. Yes. So he walks into this fucking tire office that we were in <laughs> with the, the hairdresser beside us and the common oh, area yeah. and the bathroom the that always stunk like 15 people's shit all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I remember him looking at me. He's like, you left to come here. I was like, yes, I did. We're going to get a TV for this boardroom. And that was shortly before you and I did a portage from, from Future Shop down the road because that fucking TV wouldn't fit in your car. But we had was, an office up the street. We had a business. That's where I went. On 109th Street. Yeah, across the street from um, Future Shop. And we bought yeah. it out of foreclosure, right? The whole building was in foreclosure. And I'm like, Jay, there's a downtown business condo we can buy that has room, in my mind, for 400 staff. And we should buy it right now in foreclosure. He's like, yes. And I'm like, by the way, I'm going to Mexico for a completely unrelated startup I'm starting. <laughs> and he's like, that is not helpful. And I left. And then I remember like the whole building's in foreclosure. It's all dust. We're the first people to move in. We have no staff. We have nothing. We don't even have a desk, right? But we had an office. And we ended up losing a shitload of money that year. And the only thing we could do to plug the hole was sell our office. Yeah. So I remember coming back from Mexico and being like, well, I guess I'm going to go to the office. And Jay being like, yeah, about that. It's sold, but we have an office, a new office just (laughs) up the street. And I was like, a new office. Good idea. And he's like, yeah. And the money from the old office prevented us from going bankrupt. I'm like, also a good idea. And then that's how we got Fountain Tire. I was like, what's the closest office to the current office? So had your dad come a year earlier, he would have been completely dismayed by a different set of circumstances he'd say why do you work for this company that's clearly fly by night and owns no furniture well it was also funny because you took me to that original office uh you took me where once we had beers there and you guys your your desks were just kind of in the corner but there was nothing really filling the room i thought that was where i didn't know what to do it was an old dance studio it was an old dance studio and they were like we used to dance and i was like we too dance and then that was it i don't know what and then i remember our Sorry. That I was going to say that's where I went on my first day. And I went to that office. I couldn't get into the building, so I called Jay and I'm like, "How do I get into this building?" He's like, "Oh, no, 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 no. You're at the wrong place. You need oh, to come to You need to come to Fountain Tire." And I was like, "Oh. Have we gone okay. into business?" Yes, bag milk. Yes, we have. 
But then I got there and I was like, <laughs> this office stinks and it smells like tires. Fuck this. I'm buying a huge TV. Bag milk to the TV depot. And then we couldn't fit in the car. We had to carry it home, like carrying a canoe. On we couldn't mount it on the wall. So we just leaned it against the wall. And that's how it's even know Where, where is left. that TV? I don't know. It might be a little brick, probably still somewhere. Fuck. Yeah. It was a trip. A hallmark of me planning shit is buying stuff that I'm certain we need and we never, ever need it. You mentioned talking to David Singer from Hockey Fights outside the back of the pint. Were parties always something that you guys wanted to do? Like, was that part of the original plan? Yeah. So, our, Jay, our first business together was doing pub crawls. Really? So, we would do pub crawls in university. We'd have three buses of friends, charge everybody for the right to hang out with each other, charge bars for us to bring 200 drunk kids to the bar. It was a great business. And I love bars. Like, I'm not, believe it or not, not a very social person. So, I like to put myself in social situations at work. And it forces me to be social, mm-hmm. right? So at the time, um, I was like, oh, let's get involved. I, I had an original meet. I don't know how to tell the story. Whatever, sure. But I had an original meeting with the Hudson's guys because I was one of the founding partners of the Canadian Brew House. Yep. And the guy who owned Hudson's, he was like, tell me about this place. And we're sitting in this original Nickelby's on 156th Street and 111th Avenue. And I'm like 18. I don't even drink. My first year of university. And I'm like, you know how there's Irish bars? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, how come there's no Canadian bar? And I see the light go on in his head, right? So when it came time to start Oilers Nation, he started Hudson's and basically copied the brew house in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. And then I went to him and was like, it's payback time for you stealing my idea. And he's like, I'm listening. I'm like, you have to advertise on my Oilers website. And he's like, very well. And away we went. So then later on, um, the pint was started. And they approached us. And at this point, our original Hudson's deal was say it was 100 bucks a month in gift cards. Now we're up to like $500 a month in gift cards. We had so many gift cards. We would give gift cards to people as prizes. And this was amazing for us. And um, the pint messaged or got in touch with us somehow and was like, what would it take for us to kick Hudson's off for our new bar? And at this point, we were doing like four parties a year at Hudson's and having a great time just because going out and having fun and going to other games and getting drunk and having parties. Like this is who we are, right? This is what we want to be. And uh, yeah. So we got involved with the pint. We were already doing parties and they paid us like actual cash. They didn't pay us in gift cards. They paid us in money, which is way better than gift cards because you can buy beer at multiple places. And uh, then we became partners in the pint. after. This question comes in from Jay Downton. Ah! What is your fondest memory from the back bar? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Well, the back bar at the pint downtown was where Jay and I stood with our friends, stood in one place so long that Rick put an Oilers Nation sign on the wall beside where we stood. Which is still there. Which is still there. That, he, we come into the pint. And we get away with murder at the pint. Like I, the stories of the shit we did at the poor pint back in the day, I feel terrible. And you'd think once we became partners, we would act better. No, we acted even more the fool because now we were owners in our heads, right? Um, Rick, we go there and it's super bumping and we're having fun. And Rick's there and I love Rick for the pint. That's my boy since day one. And we'd been already been there for like an hour. And he's like, hey, you got to come see Back Bar. 
And I'm like, Rick, whatever you say goes. And he brought us around the corner and I saw the Oilers Nation sign gleaming. And I was like, but Rick, this is where the Oilers stand. They're going to see the sign. He's like, I know, buddy. That's why I put it there. And I was like, you're my best friend, Rick. I love you. That is my favorite memory from the back bar. One of the first times I ever went to the Pike downtown um, was shortly after I started at ON and you took me there for lunch or something. I don't remember exactly what we went there for. And you just said, this is your new home, pal. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, this is a nice bar. And then we walked into the back and I saw the ON logo on yeah. the back bar. And I was just like, oh, this is, this is actually something where we're going to be. And then we started throwing parties there and just they turned into massive shakers and they got bigger and bigger. And it's just yeah. that place really is home for Oilers Nation. For sure, man. I, that's the, especially having lost um, Blue Chicago, I didn't, like, I've always wanted to have my own bar. Like, it's just a part of a dream set I have of my life, how I imagine it, right? And the pint taking us in as, like, hockey bloggers and then treating us like royalty. I mean, we bought our pint shares with the money the pint gave us in advertising, right? <laughs> we just, like, stacked it up. <laughs> that's and the move, shares, yeah. yeah, man, fuck I don't want money. I want to own the pint. This is what I thought. Right. And uh, they just treated us so well, man. And like I, the people at the pint really like, it was my other home. I would go there and like, I knew everybody. I knew who was on what nights and who wasn't working what nights and whatever staff wasn't on duty that night. We'd hang with them. I remember they invited us to the pint Christmas party one year. And I was talking to this guy and he's like, so you work a pint downtown? And I'm like, I suppose I do. <laughs> and then somebody else comes over and they're like, yeah, he works there. And like, they legitimately, I was there so much. They thought I worked there. That's good living good though. Bar. Well, it's, bar, it's even interesting though that that started. Rick put that sign out by the back bar. And now Rick is still, he's still Rick. He's my roommate on all the trips now. Like Fuck he's, yeah, man. he's a co-host with me on Oilers Nation Radio. It's just. Rick's a legend, man. Rick's a legend. Rich, Rick working at the pint is why the Oilers Make the every successive mini generation of Oilers call it know the pint to be that bar. And other NHL teams, when they visit every city in the NHL, they all have a bar they go to. All the teams go to the pint, and it's all because of Rick. Like Rick has been giving VIP treatment to Oilers and other NHL players, making sure they get in past huge lineups and shit longer than most Oilers now have been alive. And he's as good at it now in 2022 as he was then. I don't know how he does it. He hasn't there's, aged either. No, he ha- He really hasn't aged. But there's nothing that I love more when you're having a big night at the pint or whatever. And you see Rick flip into business mode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where he flips oh, the yeah. hat Kick backwards. Or some shit. Yeah. He flips the hat backwards. The earpiece goes in. And now yeah. it's time to get to business. I love it. I, I, I missed. Because I'm an idiot, I've gotten in fist fights at the pint. It's embarrassing and you shouldn't do that type of shit. And I remember one time being at main bar and I have my hat on backwards. I'm swagged out and I'm being awesome. And I get into an argument with a guy and he just reaches over and knocks my hat off. Right. And before I had time to try to drunk guy fight this guy, Rick kicked into business mode, got on his earpiece, put an arm out. I swear to God, three bouncers picked this guy up like a carpet and rolled him out of the bar. And I was like, damn, Rick, I'm trying to fight. And he's like, that guy would have kicked your ass. And I was like, oh, thank God you're here, Rick. I'm scared. Can I go in the back? 
Rick's also responsible for, and I think I said this story on Others Nation Radio before, but Rick is responsible for my first time ever feeling like a baller. It yeah. was crashed ice. I had just started. It was, I would have been at the nation maybe at that point, six, eight months, something like that. And yeah. we were doing crashed ice promo. And the city, as you know, downtown was absolutely slammed with people. You couldn't get anywhere. Yeah. Every yeah. bar, every restaurant had lines out the yeah. front. I walked up to the front of the pint because I knew that some of the some of uh, some HQ people were there. And I just yeah. saw the line that went down the road. And I was like, oh, shit. So I text Rick. I'm like, man, is there any chance I can get in? He's like, buddy, you don't go in the front door. And that was the first time I got to go in the back door of the pint and walk through and that was the first time i really felt like a baller and it's also caught on video because we were filming that weekend and it's one of the best moments i've had ever that was the first time at the weather's nation i was like holy shit this is cool it's interesting that feeling right because i think that like what's an example one time i was at the pine believe it or not and I went to go to the bathroom and um, Jose Canseco was there then because he was playing against that weird league that had a team in Edmonton. He was oh, like yeah, owner yeah, and yeah, the yeah. manager and shit. And yeah. Jose Canseco was there. And I was like, God damn, Jose Canseco, bang Madonna. And he had like a blazer on with like a bejeweled cross and shit. And Rick talked to me and Jose Canseco. <laughs> As though we were the same level of celebrity. And he's like, this is my friend. And Jose Canseco's like, uh-huh. And I was like, damn, Rick, how do you know Jose Canseco? Yeah. He's like, I don't. And like, that's a very rare skill set that you can just meet a guy like Jose Canseco or Connor McDavid or whoever it is. And, you know, every year in preseason, new Oilers show up at the pint downtown, like, they don't even know why they're there. They just know that this is where they need to go. Yep. And then ask for Rick. And Rick is like their induction into being gods in the city of Edmonton. Mm-hmm. One of the first, skill. we were at back bar one time and some of the boys were there and Rick's just like, Hey, bag mob, just make your way to the back. It's like, okay. So I walk back there and I see who I'm standing amongst them. Like, what the fuck are you I doing? It was me. It was Jay. It was Mandrick. Josh yeah. Brown. Of course. And we were back there and we were just amongst some of the boys. And I was just like looking around. And I was just like, where am I right now? And it was all because of Rick. Yeah. Had it not been for him, I wouldn't even have known they were back there. Nor would I have been a part of it. Nor would I have met anyone. Nor would I have had a shot with somebody. It was when just Dustin Penner wanted to beat me up. Rick talked him out of it. Dustin Penner wanted to beat you up. I called him Canada's busiest donair drive through. <laughs> <laughs> and he came to the pint and was like, you know those Oilers Nation guys, right? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, whoever the hell said that about me, I'm going to get him. And Rick was like, no, 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 don't do that. And he's like, oh, okay, maybe I will. I was like, thank you, Rick. Jesus, Dustin Petter's huge. Yeah, oh, that is amazing. Well, that's my favorite memory from the back bar, my life. Really is life back there. Uh, getting I remember back one to- time going to get a coat at the pint. Just one sec. I remember going yeah. to get my coat at the coat check at the pint. And sure. They didn't make me use tags. And I had three different jackets checked. <laughs> and they're like, do you want them all? And I was like, no, I'll just leave two here. I'll be back. And they're like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. What kind of bar is it? Yeah. Even just like, I always love leaving shit in the office. Because then sometimes I forget that I have stuff in the office. And I have to come back the next day, almost walk a shame best. style. And be like, I think I have something back there, but I don't know. And Rick's like, yeah, yeah, you do. 
I've like shown up at the pint in the middle of the day and be like, can I print off a whole bunch of shit because I have no ink toner? Rick's like, of course. <laughs> Uh, oh so basically this was man i haven't been the pine in two years yanty yeah man i drove by i've like driven past wanting to go inside i mean we're not going to talk about what's going on because it's depressing but trust me man on the other side of this shit we're going to go to the pine and i'm going to order one of them rattler bombs but it's going to be 12 liters and i'm just going to start chugging it on the dance floor while doing the dougie until they have to call an ambulance my first time back in over a year was incredible. And I went during the day for lunch. I just wanted to go back in there and have a beer and eat wings. It had been yeah. too long. And yeah. the wings are stellar. Which is when amazing. When we were shot and we were only doing takeout, I did yeah. go hang out with Rick one night. Yeah, I knew there that. Was nobody in the bar but me, Rick, and the cook. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I did a little dance for him on the dance floor. And he thought that was pretty funny. So that was just got a to. fake one. Sometimes you got to. I'm amazed the pint made it, man. It's an institution. There's no amount of money they couldn't have done in a cash call where I wouldn't have been like, yup, we're saving the pine. I don't care what has to happen. 100%. That place is an institution. Amazingly, we're almost, forever. as it should, amazingly, we're almost two hours into the podcast already. And this has this been the why longest. going to be on it, right? Yeah. This is the longest answer to Ryan Smith Day and what started Oilers Nation of all time. I thought this is like what it. we wanted to talk about. I don't normally talk about this shit. I no, like that's what I wanted. Movie dwelling on the past because i feel like the best days are always ahead of us before you left the office well i'm I'm not done before we left the office though you told me about a ryan smith story from your school days that i want to touch on because it just sounded funny talking to him no you were talking about a school dance and ryan smith scoring or something like that (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. you can break this shit into two parts if you want no okay well sorry everybody two hours fuck i hope it's interesting yeah Uh, okay we go to the school dance, junior, no, high school, high school. And your boy Wanye wasn't doing very well with the ladies at this point. So dances for me, were kind of like going to the zoo. I witnessed other th- animals doing things and I just sort of observed from the side. But this dance was my favorite dance of all time because everybody was across from the gym in the cafeteria gathered around one little TV, which somehow showed the Oilers playoff game. Yeah. And Smitty scored an OT, one nothing with a bizarre clapper of a goal. I think they might even go five hole. And I remember afterwards talking to the DJ, because rather than talking to your fellow students at a dance, what you should do is go talk to the adult DJ if you're a loser. Of course. And uh, I was like, how's this dance going, chief? And he was like, this is the weirdest dance I've ever been to. There was nobody in the gym for the first half because the entire dance was gathered around a single television in the cafeteria. And I remember Smitty scoring and everybody just being like, yeah. And we all ran across the hallway into the dance. And the second half of the dance was the most turned up dance in the history of Archbishop McDonald because we'd just come off an OT win and everybody was lit. That will get the people going. Oh, it really well. The best. Really The well. tragedy of the Oilers not being good. And it is tragedy. And there are better days ahead of us. So it is what it is. Yep. But we were so primed since Oilers Nation started to just ride the wave when the Oilers got good. We had the bar deals. We had the liquor connects. You know what I mean? Like, had that playoff skin that never saw the light of day. Never saw the light of day. That was money well spent. That's the equivalent of the television at the Fountain Tire office. Let's spend <laughs> money on a playoff skin for Oilers Nation. Are you sure? We'll need it right away. Um, yeah, man. You just got to make the best of the worst, I guess. But yeah, that was a funny dance. That was my favorite dance of all time. It was the turned up Smitty one nothing playoff dance. Oilersnation.com. Well, 
on Sunday and on Monday. I want to talk just really quickly about Ryan Smith Day. Coomsey, our boy Coomsey, has mm-hmm. been putting the work in on this. Yes. And a I lot just, of people have been helping too. It's been great. We're going to have a lot of cool content coming up over this weekend. So I just want to get a real quick primer from you because you've been in the mix yeah. with Coomsey all the entire time. He's been working on this for a while. So just yeah, kind of what are we in store for this weekend? Well, uh, the 15th anniversary of Smitty getting traded, the beginning of this monolithic seven-hour podcast, we talked about how Smitty being traded led to Oilers Nation being founded. Yep. And so I was thinking like, man, we should, somebody said on Twitter, like, what are you guys doing for your birthday? And I was like, what can we do? We're stuck at home. Fuck. And I thought, well, you know, maybe we can make Ryan Smith day. And I didn't even know what it meant. And I talked to Coom all the time. I was like, hey, Coom, did you know Ryan Smith day is coming up? And he's like, what's that about? I'm like, I don't know, but it's the 15th anniversary of the trade. And he's like, well, why don't we make the most Ryan Smith content ever and do every single kind of Ryan Smith content you can imagine? A video, a tribute to a mullet. Robin Brownlee's writing an article. Jason Greger's in the mix, right? Yep. And so the intent is to, for people who remember Smitty, it's going to be a wonderful time to see old Smitty footage. And Coombs done an amazing job. He like got access to the Canada.com newspaper vault. Yeah. And he's been going through sending me hilarious headlines. Different time back then. What you could say and what you couldn't say. Yep. And, uh, you know, we just, we've, Oilers Nation is born of truly a love for the Oilers, right? And like, how come you don't get scared when the NHL sends you a cease and desist? I don't care. I love the Oilers. Fuck them. If someone's going to make a Oilers website that's going to go to jail for it, it might as well be me, right? And so our love of Smitty, which is our super set, we love the Oilers and we super love Smitty. I just feel like it's a good time to go back and just remember better times because it's a tough time right now. So remembering one of the greats that doesn't necessarily get his due because he's a modern day great, who, if there was no Smitty trade, would there be an Oilers Nation? Yes. There, we were already working on it, but we like to think no, <laughs> right? Sure. So without Smitty, there is no Oilers Nation. So let's go back to the man himself and let's be, let's focus all our 2022 resources, all our writers, our video folks, all the great folks who work for the company. Let's give them all a mission. Ryan Gordon Smith, number 94, go. You dusting off the keyboard for this one or what? Thinking about it. I mean, I had a bunch of articles in the can last summer and this is right when the social protest kicked off. And I was like, man, if there's ever a time to not dust off the keyboard and try to be funny, it is now, but I would like to write uh, a question it. from Smitty. Smitty. question from Jason Greger. Oh. Why the fuck did you stop writing? Ah, thanks Gregor. Isn't that nice? My good friend. Well, <laughs> this is how are we doing for time? I feel like we're just wasting. It doesn't matter. It's my podcast. Damn hey, right. If you, hey, Tyler. Hey. hey, Tyler. Cut me off. Oh, you're not here. Fuck you. Oh, you're not Go here. Ahead. Oh, okay. This is like Joe Rogan show. It goes for hours and we'll get brought up for conspiracy theories and canceled right away. Well, we'll see. Um, well, what was the question again? <laughs> Why'd you stop writing? Why'd I stop writing? Because I only had so many hours to devote to each of my projects. And I felt like if I kept writing all the time, and that's what I did with the nation, we wouldn't have a Flames nation. We wouldn't have acquisitions. We wouldn't have... I spent very quickly as much time as I could on the business to be able to hire as many writers as I could. Mm -hmm. And I was a stopgap measure. It was never my intent to be a writer. I did it because nobody else wanted to do it. And I don't know that I was necessarily very good at it, but I did it my way. 
but my intent was to get the hell out of the way so real writers could write. Like you, you're way better writer than I am. I'm Much not a good better writer. You write. I I'm not a good writer at all. What I do well is I make jokes. I have a lane, and I I follow it through. Now and that we're in 2022, and the nation has sold miraculously, I don't know if you want to talk about this. Sure, of course. Sure. I am looking for my uh, re- uh, my infinity place on the shelf. What can I do for the new nation network as part of a much larger global business? I can just do content shit, no business stuff, and have this go until you can do sports board until you're old and bald, mm-hmm. right? So whether that's a new podcast and an existing podcast or a weekly column, or I, I now run Oilers Nation Twitter during games again, coming back to that was really good fun. I'm trying to come back and land on like a final content mode where if I've got 12 hours a week for infinity for the nation going forward, it's all content, no business, all gas, no breaks. Yep. So why did I quit Gregor? Remember when you got that check in early November? <laughs> that's why i quit <laughs> that's why you don't just work for a one site oilers site network it's an actual business that sold and became publicly traded i had to go do that that's why i quit mentioned your back on the on twitter which it's funny that that happened because that actually if you remember that happened on real life getting where, back on twitter yeah where you said well what would you think if i just took over the twitter account bag milk and i was like that's a great idea to be honest anyway, oh, i thought you were oh. gonna fight me about it no 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 i no, fight no. with everybody man the 2022 like what would you do if you had it all where would you put it there's always a fly in the ointment it's like you do all this wicked shit all these people are gracious enough to work with you how's it go i fight with them almost no. exclusively you and i have <laughs> never fought though terrible. no because we're sim- similar dudes why do you think that you and I, like, I've gotten into it with pretty much everybody in our company. Why do you think yeah. you and I never really have? Because I think we're on the same page. Like, I just, like, hey, Bagwell, can you do one, two, three, four, five? You're like, well, these are all unreasonable. Sure. Hey, Wanye, <laughs> yes. Can you do this, this, and this? Sure. Right? I think that, like, our weirdness syncs up in such a way that the things that are weird about us don't offend the other. Yeah. Like, when... If I was on a video podcast with you and I was, no, I'm not saying the guys on Nation Real Life are like this, but if I was on a video podcast with you and I liked being in videos, I'd be like, what is the matter with you? Why don't, why won't you appear in video? I could find that really annoying, right? Mm-hmm. But I too don't want to appear in video. So I get it. <laughs> yeah. Like we could be, well, what people don't know is we're both completely nude at this point and yeah. you'll never see it. Never. You are back on Oilers Nation Twitter, as you mentioned. Spiced Oil wants to know. How do you find these gifs? Gifs, whatever ah, you say. I was really kind of vulnerable when Carolyn Zwed joined the nation and shout out to the pros. Why did you quit writing so that we could make money so we could hire Carolyn? Yep. Right? Who's way better. She's like, oh, it's so weird. Weather's Nation talks in gifs. I was like, ugh, I didn't realize that wasn't unanimous, like a universal thing. How do I find these gifs? This is my musical instrument, Spice Oil. <laughs> yeah, I had Caroline on a, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and she said one of her favorite parts about Weathers Nation and the community surrounding Weathers Nation is that gifts are a language for us. And she's like, memes are a language. And if something happens, we have it memed instantly. Or if we don't have it, 
somebody else has it and we share it. Or Kennedy just makes the most amazing memes and gifts because that's what we seem to do around here is we just collect people that love the Oilers so much that we have a language that is all our own. Kennedy is the video slash design genius I want to be when I grow up. Yeah, she's great. The shit she has, like she's got the secret like 10 terabyte hard drive with mm-hmm. only Oilers shit clipped on it. I'm like, oh, Kennedy, I wish I knew how to do that. I would do that. She shared with me a, uh, again, if you don't know, Kennedy is our graphic designer. She makes our videos. She makes a bunch of the memes we post. She does a lot. She's a meme lord, man. Full fucking meme lord. She shared a folder with me. That's just kind of like her creative space for social memes. And sometimes I just poke my head in there just to like kind of see what she's working on. And it's my favorite place. She's so creative. She's so funny. And I can't get enough of the stuff she makes for us. So one of my first calls with her after we hired her was, please don't ever think you have to stop making weird shit. And she's like, really? Lean into it. Lean into it. Nope. Embrace the weirdness because this is the place for it. And I can't get enough of that. Which brings me to my next question, Wanya. You and I both love Mm. memes. We both love Love meme culture. Got to. What is it about meme culture that just has you gripped? Because for me, it's just such a funny way of telling jokes, such a funny way of communicating issues or problems or just being funny. We both love Slim Jim. It's a corporate brand that is fucking hilarious because it's all memes. What do you love about it? I think it's just like its own version of stand-up comedy. It really is. Right? It so like, really is. You and I, we run Oodle Noodle Grant. Yes. If you haven't checked it out on Instagram, you're missing out. Check it out. It is the most noodle memes that are fit to print of any noodle company on earth. Nobody will ever right? make more noodle memes than we will. Nope. Even if we both got hit by lightning at this exact moment and never made another meme about noodles, we are the noodle meme kings forever and ever. Amen. I just feel like it's a joke we know how to tell. I've got my at bats in. I've made so many memes now in my life that I think are hilarious and no one can fire me that I'm just thrilled to pump them out. And if I go back and look at old Oilers Nation content, we were taking photos and putting captions on them before there were memes. That's what I said earlier. You were, you were making memes before memes were a thing. It's because I needed to violate the trademark of the photo as making it into art. So one of the things I remember, PerezHilton.com got away with posting photos from paparazzi services because he drew on them and they were considered art. And I was like, how do I keep myself from going to prison? <laughs> Drawing all the photos of Ryan Smith so that it's art. And I'm like, that's cool. So that was another reason why I started making like captions and shit and drawing on stuff and doing MS, and MS Paint was to not go to jail. And ultimately, again, that was the reason why Oilers Nation connected with me because the memes you were making were just so stupid and funny. Like your little muscly guy that turned into a signature that you were doing those in paint all the time. Yeah. Was I didn't so paint because good. I worked at a, I worked at a company in town. And when I first got there, I didn't have access to the internet in my office. Like I wasn't high enough on the ladder to merit internet access. So what I would do is I would write my articles in word and then email them to myself at home. And then when I got home, I would post it. Right. So I was screwing the pooch by writing stuff at work and my lunch breaks or in between meetings or whatever the hell but i was i had still had extra time and like extra energy and all i had was pc paint 
So I was like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to start drawing Oilers pictures. And I can remember a couple of people being like, this is shit. And I was like, this is all I have. <laughs> I spent nine grand on this website. Nobody wants to work for us. I'm stuck in an office. I can't see the internet. You're getting fucking drawings of Mac T. Again, early pictures on Oilers Nation were some of the funniest shit ever. And I was watching them from my cubicle or looking at them and reading the articles. And it was incredibly unique. Was there somebody that you modeled your style of content after, or is it just something that you came up with on your own? No, I just on my own, man. Like Rosenhart, Bingo Fuel. Yep. He's one of the funniest people of all time. And he was there in the early days. I remember we, we worked at this company. He worked at the same company and we would go meet in the lunchroom and I'd be like, dude, I don't know how to write. Like, I don't know anything about anything. And I got this fucking website. And he's like, here, man, I'll help you. Here's how you organize your thoughts. Here's how you do this. And like righteous sack beating, that's how Rosenhart talks. Like he just has a funny way about making extra funny shit said or written. And he'd written a lot of comedy stuff at the gateway over the years. Mm-hmm. And so I think he was probably, and Perez, because I thought it was cool that Perez Hilton was like dismantling the Hollywood culture and just calling everyone a poo-poo face and drawing wieners on their faces and stuff. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. you can't get away with that in 2022. And the world no. has changed. And he's, he spent the last five years apologizing for everything he said beforehand, but I just thought it'd be funny to do that. But for hockey, I kind of look at everything through the lens of, but for the Oilers. Yeah. Right. So like, where'd you come up with a lot of your t-shirt designs? There are a lot of other brands that we just made into being about hockey. Right. Do you remember the nation gear we had and on the back, it had a big X on the back. Did you ever see that shirt? Mm. It was hope will never die. And it might have been the 10th anniversary or some shit. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it. Remember that shirt? Was it the ASAP Stanley one? Uh, yes. Yeah, it's the same yeah. shirt. Yeah. yeah that was well, made by my friend in Mexico City, who's a legit fashion designer. And he showed me the shirt he was making. And I was like, can you make one of these for me? And he's like, of course. I'm like, I'm not done yet. <laughs> but for hockey? And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I will make you one design. You pick. And that was his design. He was like, this is so weird. What's hope will never die mean? Well, as it turns out, it became our motto because we fucking needed it. That was my grandma that coined that term. Really? Yep. When the Oilers lost in 2006, my grandma at this point, this is 10 years after we were going to games together and had stopped. She was now in an extended care facility. Yeah. And during the cup run, one of the, concerns i had was will she pass before this is over and i really would hate it if she missed the oilers winning the cup because she was even though she was blind my grandma would listen to every single oilers game all oilers content she was glued to ched which in those days was called cjca and because she was blind she could listen to sports radio and fully participate right so um, I go to see her and the Oilers have lost and I'm like despondent man the month after the Oilers lost the Stanley Cup final whew, that was some touch and go shit at Wanya Manor which at the time was his parents house and I went to see my grandma and I was just like grandma the Oilers lost the Stanley Cup finals and it the world is fucked and I lost all my money and my girlfriend dumped me and my favorite hockey team fucked us in the 11th hour and after all those good times it all meant nothing. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, that's not how you should look at it at all. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, they're going to be better next year. All the good times are still ahead of us. 
And she said that to me. She's 98 years old. All the good times are still ahead of us. She didn't have many times left. And she knew it and I knew it, but she still had that belief. And she's like, you have to have hope. Hope will never die. And I think that was the last time I talked to my grandma, honestly. Um, maybe once more after. But it just stuck with me. But like, hope will never die, man. You keep that hope alive. Are the others going to be better next year? You're fucking right, they will. How come? Because hope will never die. Even if it's a lie. Even if I'm hoping Eric Cole is going to score 40 goals and somehow lead the Oilers to the playoffs against all hope. And Robin Brownlee has just written his fifth annual The Oilers Stink article that we're paying him to write. Right? Yep. Even if all that shit is happening. Of course the Oilers are dope, man. Wait till next game, you fucking idiot. That's how you got to live. Otherwise, reality is a tough one. I think of that ASAP Stanley shirt that we were talking about, nationgear.ca, of course, if you want to grab something. The nation has always been blended with hip-hop as well. And our boy Waz, he wants us to talk a little bit about hip-hop and your love of hip-hop. And <coughs> I think yeah. that that is another thing that you and I do often behind the yeah. scenes is we just send each other tracks and new jams and you're always sending me new artists. So the question, the first one that starts this off is Waz wants to know if you're making a list, who's in your top yeah. five? Top five rappers? You betcha. Was it's hard hitting. Bless up. Well, my favorite rapper of all time has switched of late, and it is now Drake Aubrey Graham. Aubrey Drake Graham. Yeah, he's an interesting. He is my one. number one. I realized it a little while ago. I was like, still holding on to the Jay Z dream, and I love Jay Z. Don't get me wrong, he's a goat, and I love Lil Wayne. Tunchi, that's my dog. But I'm, I'm like, son. what the fuck am I thinking that Drake is in my top five and not my number one? I'm Canadian to my bones. I cheer for like Ann Murray to do well. I want Drake to be my number one rapper. So that's my guy. Drake's also interesting because for me, I have a really funny relationship with Drake. We talked about, I went traveling. I went to PB. I was gone for 14 months. When I left, Drake was still Jimmy in the wheelchair on Degrassi. Damn. When I I came home, this dude was one of the hottest rappers on the planet with those early mixtapes. And I was just like, what happened between when I left and when I got back? The guy's rise is meteoric and he just cranks out hits, cranks them out. I feel like you only have so much room in your brain for so many things. Would you agree? Yes. I feel like it's better. Like your ram check gets mad because I can't even name active NFL players. Like I don't know and I don't care. Right. And a lot of people get really frustrated with me in normal life because if I'm not engaged on a topic, sometimes it's like really hard to engage me because I like pride myself on not knowing anything. And it's just yeah. stupid. And that's how I roll. Right. Hip hop. For some strange reason, when I was seven years old. The first CD I ever purchased was rap tracks. One. I think it had like cool art in the front. I was like, yep, this is how I'm moving. And it was brand new. Rap was brand new. I think I know a lot about like three or four subjects. And I swear to you, Edmonton Oilers, right? Sometimes I'll bust out Oilers facts and blow everyone away. You know when I do that sometimes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I when mean, I knew Len Esau's kid at the baseball game? Yes, that that, I was, that's what I was trying to come up with. But there was no way I was going to pull that name up. One time we were at the Cracker Cat. No, who were we at? The Capitals? It might have been the Capitals. Nation night. We're all in our box. We're the coolest people in town. And this kid walks up and he's got Esau on the back of his jersey. 
And I say to him, because he's like a foot away, because we're ballers at the unpopulated Edmonton baseball stadium. Hey, are you Len Esau's son? And he turns around and looks. He's like, yes, yes, I am. And I'm sitting with Mandrick, right? All-time legend. And Mandrick, who knows a lot about the Oilers and a lot about a lot, looks at me and goes, who's Len Esau? And I go, well, he's a former Oiler defenseman. And like three days later, Mandrick phones me. And he's like, man, you don't know anything about sports. And I'm like, okay, continue. He's like, but you honestly know everything about the Oilers. It's ridiculous. He's like, people always make fun of you because you don't know who's starting in net for Montreal and you don't know who half of Tampa Bay Lightning are. But you'll know Lenny Saw's kid because he looks like his dad because he played nine games for the Oilers in like 1996. Yeah. The other thing I know better than the Oilers is hip hop. What are you listening to right now? Right now, all sorts of shit, man. Lots of new stuff. I'm not of the type to think that all the good days are behind us. No, I don't like that either. I don't like that either. Blockboy JB, you know who this guy is? You well, I do because of you, yeah. Blockboy JB is the bomb. And he's like on his fourth good album, and every single song is produced by the same guy, Tay Keith. So every single song starts the same with going, Tay Keith, blah, blah, blah. Because producers put their audio signature in. Mm-hmm. Blockboy JB is the shit. But now there's all these weird old rappers coming out with albums because of the pandemic. And like no one told them they couldn't not make an album if you're yeah, like Lloyd Banks. Like 50- yeah, and they're like 50. I'm like, what the fuck? But it's good. Some of it's yeah. really, really good. Method Man's new track is a jam. Damn, man. And Method Man's old as hell. Fucking gas. So the last two minutes? Come on. Kanye's new album was... You can make fun of Kanye West. You can call him crazy, which is dismissive. You can say you like old Kanye better. Kanye West is a legitimate genius, just like in the documentary Genius. And the fact that he now makes like gospel rap music, even though I don't consider myself to be of any particular religious thing, it calls to me on some weird human level. He's incredible. I'm like, damn, if Kanye keeps putting out this religious shit, I'm going to get tricked into religion because it's that good. Well, it's like we were talking about on uh, today on Real Life. We were talking about genius and how in the first episode, and if you haven't watched it yet, skip ahead two seconds, I guess. Um, how he was being dismissed with songs that we now know in hindsight are fucking anthems. Yeah, it's man. amazing. Imagine how frustrating that is. If you're pitching number one songs to people who are in the record industry paid to find number one songs. Like, I don't get it. How do you not go nuts? It's a good My question, name, incidentally, it? here's what I'm going to join this two together. This is called a bridge. Wanye people are like, what the hell is Wanye mean? It's Wayne Gretzky and Kanye West. Wayne and Kanye mushed together. Wanye. I knew I didn't want to use my real name. I wanted to have a name nobody else ever had. So if anybody else ever had it, you know they're copying. And I thought about it for like two years while I called myself Nation Staff writing every day. And then one day it just came to me. And I was like, that's the move. And people are like, you have a what a blogging name what kind of dork are you and i was like how about you blow it out your wazoo i'm the shit well i wish that the name that i chose for myself was based on hip-hop and not a 19 year old me saying i'm gonna come up with the stupidest possible pseudonym i could think of i remember asking you this question when i first met you i think i asked you on like google chat or some shit yeah but i was like Again, I was very intimidated by you and Gene Shorts. I thought that you guys had it all going. You were like beefing with a pens blog. Remember that? Of course. 
Yeah, sure. I was like, these guys are so big. They have beef. I'm like, <laughs> I could tell off everybody I know on my website and nobody would read it because no one reads it, right? Beef sells but records. I was like, why are you jean shorts and bag mode? What's up? And I know that you don't like people asking you why you have a name. I know that part of the code of having a name on the internet is you don't ask. It's like having a face tattoo when you're hanging out with a bunch of people with face tattoos. They don't go around being like, you have a face tattoo. It's just sort of assumed that everyone has a face tattoo. If you have a fake name, because you don't want to use your real name, you don't ask other people with a fake name, why do you have a fake name? Well, and Having for me, said that, I was like, why the fuck do you have a fake name? And you go, oh, I don't know. Me and my buddy were just sitting there and we're like, we just started a website up. Let's think of the dumbest names we can think of and then go with those. Yeah. I was like, really? And you were like, yeah, the dumbest. And I'm like, well, that's one way to go about it. And I respect it. Because it well, says to me, I'm not taking myself seriously. No. And I'm going to do this if I want to on my own terms. We should all get to pick. This is one of the things I think, Bag Milk. Tell me what your thoughts are on this. I have two theories in life. One, people are getting better looking as time goes on. Oh, so handsome. Like, because we take so many photos of ourselves now and shit, we're so much more aware. People are way better looking than they were 150 years ago, where you may see yourself in a mirror in, like, the Maybe. corner China hutch once but, a month. Yeah, or it's a pond somewhere, and you just walked past a puddle, and that's the only time you've seen yourself in weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then what was the other thing, I think? What were we talking about right before that? No, uh, fake about names. Being... Pseudonyms. We should all get to pick our own names on our 18th birthday. Well, for me too, it was one, I was going to pick the dumbest possible name I could think of. And also, like you, I love hip hop. And nobody cares about Calvin Brodus. But everybody, no, wants to, everybody wants to meet Snoop Dogg. And I think that's that kind of the having, way I looked at it. Why do I have to be named Charles if that's my name? And it is. But why don't I get to pick my own name when I'm 18, when I got it all figured out at a point where I think most 18 year olds think they're the shit, right? Of course. Why not be like, well, Caitlin, if you don't like that name, you can change it on your 18th birthday. And imagine like a super gender reveal party, but it's like you telling everyone your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's gangster, man. 100%. I love yeah. the term Wanye. I love it. I love Wanye Enterprises, like Wayne Enterprises and Batman. I love the fact, like, I have a question for you. Why didn't you use your real name? Um... Or why I don't honestly, you now? You honestly are the boss of the head of the Professional Hockey Writers Association. First of all, congratulations. Honestly, I Secondly, again, it was it was a love of hip hop. It was just there's my real name is so generic and boring that <laughs> I didn't think it was memorable. But like I said, nobody cares about Calvin Broadus. Everybody wants to hang out with Snoop Dogg. Nobody cares about O'Shea Jackson, but God damn, do we love Ice Cube. Well, he's a pretty good comedic actor. Come on. Now. Of course. Of O'Shea's course. got to figure it out. I just I that, didn't use my... Sorry, go ahead. For me, it was branding. And I had this idea that you may not know me, but you may know Bag Milk based on the quote-unquote art or articles or whatever I was doing at the time. And that was my grand idea. And again, like if I had if I had known that I'd be doing it full time, and this was my job at thirty six years old, I probably would have come <laughs> up with, probably would have come up with something a little cooler. But uh, well, hey. it is what it is, man. I picked a fake name because I wanted my content blogging guy, and then later on my social media guy 
to be a different person than me in real life. Well, that's it too. Like there's been countless times that somebody has met me at a nation party or event or whatever. And they're like, you're actually kind of boring. I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm a introvert that sits in my house and makes content all day. Yeah, and, and then simultaneously does a three hour podcast, not answering any questions. Yeah. And bag milk is an exaggerated version of my personality. I also love the artist Banksy and everybody yeah. knows the art, but nobody knows the artist. And I also yeah. was obsessed with that from probably 2008 onwards, which is kind of the trajectory this whole thing took. If I had to show my face, I wouldn't do it. It's funny you say and that because... So, sorry, go on. It's funny you say that because today I had a lunch meeting with Jay and we were talking about this podcast and just how, again, like I'm very, very grateful that nation citizens have taken to it the way they have, because it's, it's crazy that they have crazy. It's way bigger than I ever expected it to get this quickly. And Jay's like, you fucking idiot. If you just wanted to be on camera, you could probably make it even bigger. I was like, well, that's unlucky for you, CEO, man. Cause I'm not doing it. And he's just like, all right, well, it's worth a try. It was worth an ask. I'll talk to you again about this in a year. Thank you. See you later. I don't think I don't think the Oilers would let me move freely around the arena if they knew who I was. Really? Do you think so? No, I think the Oilers are mad enough at me over the years that if they could go <laughs> to my seats and pick me up and carry me out, they would. I could see that. I've been Honestly. in some situations with our friends down there where me being an insane person and telling them to pound sand, like a reasonable person would be like, I don't want to lose my privilege of being an Oilers fan. Yeah. And I just feel like, cause they've never connected me in real life with Wanye. They don't know nothing. Yeah. I remember yeah. when they're like, don't make, I started having meetings with the OEG. I made Gregor take me. Okay. Like, like a yeah. dad taking his kid to daycare. <laughs> yeah. Gregor would take me to yeah. the arena and sit there with me because I had like 19 nervous breakdowns trying to talk to the Oilers and get my ideas across. Yeah. And Gregor's like, you really get flustered, eh, when you're in a meeting with someone? I'm like, <laughs> no, man, just like certain people. That's why I started doing podcasts, right? Yeah. Because I got to get better at like talking at length. And like podcasting is really interesting because like you and I in the pandemic have started having conversations pre-podcast yeah. to like get our brains into talking mode. Yep. Because we know that if you just come in from the business world and just, hey, you want to be interesting on a podcast? It doesn't work like that. At least not for me. No, I agree. And we also have had during the pandemic, especially, we've had some of conversations like we're having right now where they go hours and hours and hours. Exactly. And this is why we said we should do more podcasting is like now I've been doing podcasting since 20, I think, 18. And I've got my back to right? I've got my thousand hours or whatever the fuck, right? And you don't get to talk like this in real life anymore. No, no, not really. Right. Mm-mm. And like when I, I really like Joe Rogan, and I know that that's like an unpopular thing in some circles and I don't really give a fuck. Everyone can kiss my ass. But I think Joe Rogan's for the most part, very measured. Do I agree with everything he says? No. But what I like about it is when he's talking to people, he isn't using like a radio voice. He's just talking. No, no, no. It's right? very conversational. But you don't get like that if you're a radio host and you don't get like that if you're a normal person having conversations with people. So I was like, hey, Bagwell, if you want to come to my house and talk to me for three hours? You're like, why don't I shoot you in the face? Why would I want to talk to somebody for three hours? That's preposterous. But when we know that we're doing this because there's people listening and it's a podcast, three hours can go by. It's very interesting. It's a different kind of show three hours long than it is at a 45 minute show. 
Well, even I think about, I used to love when I was younger, I used to love David Letterman. And yeah. I think about when he would have guests on and you try to squeeze something into a 10 minute segment. Well, you can't get into anything with 10 minutes. No. Not when platforms talking, like this are now available, you know, where we've been talking over two hours now. We've just yeah. been bullshitting, but bullshit. 10 minutes is nothing. I do radio hits every Wednesday on cruise and damn right. You do your icon They're you know, anywhere to week to week, they're anywhere from five to eight minutes and it just goes by in a snap. You can barely get it to anything. You have to like, you have to, I find that on those hit radio hits and as much as I'm grateful for Lachlan Cross bringing me on, it's just kind of one of those things where it's kind of like the, <laughs> you got to make jokes every now and then you just got to get to it. Like that punchline, 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 punchline. It's radio. And it's, it's just very go, go, go. It's not the same. It's not relaxed. It's not fluid. It's not, you can't get into anything. It's like real life, our other podcast. I feel like it, there's way too many people on it, and that's perfect. And everyone's talking over each other, and it's very hard to listen to, and that's fantastic, right? And it never is on the rails, and that's great, because what I want real life to be is like real life. You sit down with your friends, and you talk shit. And like I remember fighting for Chalmers to be on the show. And the guests of the show have changed a lot. It started out with me and Strudwick and Gregor. So yeah. I was so nervous to do a podcast. I was like, you guys have to do this with me. I'm not asking you. I'm begging you. <laughs> right. And Strudy's like, oh, I'd give it a shot. And then they ended up liking being on the air so much that they did the radio show together. Right. Yep. Yep. But the intent was they would, it's way too big of a deal for them to be on. And I recognize that. But just do like 25 episodes with me until I kind of feel a little bit more comfortable. And they mm-hmm. did. Right. And I respect that from, but uh, now that we talk at length, like we do now, I kind of want to do more podcasting. Yeah. I guess this is what I want to end with. This is something that we, I want to talk about. And then if you say this is the longest podcast of all time, this is why you were number eight, not number one. I get it. What's ahead of you? (laughs) No. What is ahead of you? What What do you mean? What do you want to still do with your career and your life? What can people come to expect from bag milk industries? in the next five years? Honestly, I think that what we're doing right now is kind of where it's going to go. I don't, I can see myself doing this show right now as a daily show. And Mm -hmm. it's maybe an hour, maybe it's two hours, maybe it's three like we're getting to. Or maybe it's just a quick reaction episode because the Oilers do something and I'm recording and I'm setting up a little studio in my house and I just go down and I scream about the Oilers. I think that this way of delivering content and being able to make something cool in your house is only going to get easier as we go along. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's going to give us people like us that are creative and like just to bolt like to bullshit like this, different opportunities to do things that weren't even possible when we started. Maybe there's going to be a time five, six years from now where you and I are doing a podcast like this, but we're star linking to each other's fucking brain and beaming it right out into people's iPhones. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I, I, I just mm-hmm. see the way more, things are going. I bet you. I just see more of this in different iterations. And now that I've got this podcast going and it's going well and I enjoy it and I'm kind of figuring things out and I'm learning and I'm bringing the audience into something that, Hey, the audio, the audio fucking sucks, bag milk. Well, at least everybody knows I'm working on it and I'm essentially learning how to do the radio and TV program from my kitchen table. Remember when real life had the worst audio ever for like <laughs> yeah. four months and we lost 99% of our listeners and yes. we just kept going? Some yes. of that shit. I'm, I'm like, I'm glad I don't listen to this podcast. This would be fucked. 
Yeah, and I even think about. So you're gonna do more podcasting. What else are you gonna do? What else you get talking now? You work for a publicly traded company now, and you're a very senior guy, and you are the boss, in the sense that on an org chart, you don't boss him around like a mean guy, but like you are the boss of Frank Sarah Valley. How's that feel? It's weird, to be honest. Quite the come up. Well done. Are you an executive at ESPN? Are you at CBS (laughs) with David Singer? No, you're not. How odd. It is weird. Like just, I remember when I first started with the nation and getting a text from Gregor was just like, Oh my God, Jason Gregor has my phone number. He even knows who I am. And now I can call him. And he and I had a really good conversation the other day, just bullshitting ideas around. And I think it's really cool. Frank Saravalli called me um, behind the scenes. I'm doing the contract negotiation with the nation. And uh, I agreed to the terms and Frank called me and he gave me support and ideas of things that I could say in my meeting. And that was such a surreal phone call for me where Frank Saravalli's calling me. He's like, I think you should do this. I think you should do this. And I think that you do this well. And I think you suck at this and fuck you all the time. But uh, (laughs) at the same point, it was really cool. So what am I going to be doing five years from now? I I don't know, but ultimately content, of course. Of course, Ooh. because are you still Frank Saravelli's boss in five years? I don't know. But what I will be doing is making hockey content because what I like to do is this. This is even though we haven't mentioned hockey once in our nine hour podcast. This is the fun part of the gig for me. Yeah, this is the part that I like. This is the part that I get excited about. And when I get to sit down and I do a wrap up. There were times over the years where it's just like, oh, do I really want to do a wrap up on a Tuesday for a game against the fucking Minnesota Wild? Not really. But now seven <laughs> two lost in the Minnesota. Yeah, Wild. now my now I'm at a point with the company where it's like, man, I just all I want to do is a wrap up. All I want to talk, all I want to do is talk to people at the Beatcast. So I think it's I think maybe even well, depending on how things go, obviously, I think I could see the pendulum swinging back towards the content side five years from now. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm always going to be bag milk. I'm always going to want to talk about the Oilers because I love the you're Oilers. You're going to be bag milk till you're like an old man. Yeah, because we talked about <laughs> it, man. I think it'd be funny. The evolution uh, of Guanier and bag milk was when I've got, you know, pastel colored pants on and a, a fucking closet full of Tommy Bahama tees. And we've got a retirement complex in a cool country that blogging bought us. And I we go there. I Oilers games this I've been haven't been to the pint in two years, and I haven't been to an Oilers game since this whole thing kicked off because I have a baby and I want to be cautious. And if you think you can blow it out your ass, I don't give a fuck because how I live anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the only situation that could keep me from watching Oilers games ever. If I'm in an iron lung and I'm 99 years old, my grandma used to take a fucking freight elevator with me to go to games. I will go to games until I'm in the ground. And I hope to God when I die, they load me into the scoreboard and shoot me out as a motherfucking <laughs> firework after a power play goal. They're like, Boo! and they're like, damn, Wanye, you're a firework. What do you want to do? Continue to blow the fuck up, man. Hockey's just part of a balanced breakfast at Wanya Enterprises. It's the most important thing we do. But for here until the end of time, we're kind of back at the start, I think, now where I just want to make Oilers content. Yeah. Playmaker and Jay and all these geniuses doing their genius shit. I wish them the best. They're smarter than I am at every single facet of the business, except one. Being Wanya. That's the only one I can do by myself right 
And as part of the process of being purchased, it's crazy we didn't even talk about like really anything beyond the formation of the company. This is an interesting conversation. But, you know, we've since been very fortunate. We've been purchased and we're part of a company now that effectively is the nation globally for all sports. Yeah. And they're like, you guys are the hockey guys. We're like, you know it. And they're like, can you just keep doing hockey content? We're like, it's all we care about. And it, I thought it was going to be like a very, I didn't want to sell Oilers Nation. I didn't want to sell the Nation Network, right? I feel very uncomfortable talking about it for a variety of reasons. But um, they were really earnest in not wanting to fuck with us. Mm-hmm. And they're tech guys. And tech guys have a lot of good things and a lot of bad things. But some of the good things is tech guys don't really fuck with people. We just kind of let it be. Like people shit on Zuck, God bless him, for allowing all this bad shit on Facebook. He isn't really in the game to censor people, you know? Yeah. And I feel like Playmaker, they're never going to call us up on a Monday morning and be like, "Um, can you please remove that article that says the power play is not sufficiently good? The only people who would dare to ring us up would be the Oilers, and we they don't have our phone number. Yep. So what do I want to continue to do, man? Like, I'm entering into a heavy development cycle where I'm building yep. a bunch of stuff. And that's ultimately what I think I do for a living, is, like, how did you know how to make an Oilers website? I just, I don't know. I did. I just know how to get people to build shit. How did you know how to make an Umperville block? I don't know. I don't know. I just got people involved. Yep. I'm on the verge of doing a bunch of development stuff um, for a new startup I'm working on. And I'm working with people down in Mexico where I spent a lot of time in the last 10 years working on some really interesting technology that I thought was very valuable and then solving some interesting problems. And as we know in life, a lot of shit fails. And I can have a startup down in Mexico that I worked on for seven years. I've got 3,600 businesses to sign up for it that ultimately failed. I can have that. I can also go back on the other side of the pandemic with my own money now because I sold my company and pay everybody to do exactly as I say. And if I want to fly off a cliff again and waste my money for a second seven-year set, who the fuck is going to tell me I can't? Nobody. That's who. At the same time, I want to do more River Valley development. We've done some fun shit. We've been walking around the River Valley. Truly, the River Valley is a place where it calms me down, right? And for me, because I'm super amped up all the time, like I love traveling, I fly everywhere, I do a million things, I have nine jobs, I don't answer text messages for weeks on end, I haven't read an email in five years, it's all wrong, <laughs> right? But I find a way to make it work. I want to get back to that life uh, when this is over, and I want to be as big of a deal as I can be, and not to show people my face and tell them my name, but like solve problems that I think are important. And I think walking around in the River Valley now since 2008 we have it's fun talking about stories and you're like oh we were down the river valley talking oh we were walking around i'm really proud of the fact that we bought like this old piece of shit house next to the river and made it into an award-winning cafe so it's the most popular cafe on instagram in all of canada hands down and i've been running that shit and i've been running all the river valley company social media for like six or seven years and i've never made mention of it once as wanya i've never even posted a photo and we have over 120,000 followers. Mm-hmm. I like building on the shit we have. And building technology is really important to me. I want to do stuff to make Edmonton have more tourism and make it feel a bit bigger sense of civic pride. Sure. I think doing things like Little Brick and Umperville Block 
they're beautiful enough buildings. You can bring your auntie from Thunder Bay when she visits Edmonton. You can take her to Little Brick. She will have an experience that she will remember fondly. Of course. And as somebody who's had like foreign girlfriends move to Edmonton and shit, you can't take them to the mall every day. And there wasn't a lot else for a long time. And Edmonton prior to, you know what, has gotten way radder. And I really want to participate in that going forward. And I want the River Valley, like Riverdale now, we have three businesses down there, Dog Patch, a little pub, Bread and Butter, a little bakery, and Little Brick, our beloved cafe slash headquarters. And our offices are on the second floor of our new building down there called Umperville Block. And we have a dope podcast studio and cool fucking walls. I don't know. We got water's crap everywhere. And we used to be a shitty little business in a fountain tire, but we thought we were the shit, right? And now we have a dope office and we still think we're the shit. And we're still in Edmonton, right? I want to do that like on a bigger scale and have like hotels and like a theater and like a venue and like crazy shit. The people come visit Edmonton. They're like, holy fuck. Have you been to that new district? District? Where? In Edmonton? Old shit town? Well, it's not shitty now. They got a lot of rad stuff going up there. Mm -hmm. Part of it is Connor McDavid and the cup winning Oilers and all this crazy shit down the river valley. That's how I want to live my life. And I want to run a longer second podcast. Yeah. And I want to be able to do it from Air Wanye with my Skylink net, whatever the fuck, wherever mm-hmm. I am, whatever I'm doing. When I first started out, Wanye was my alter ego that was ahead of me in real life, right? Wanye didn't go to work. Wanye was at the pint nine nights per week. Wanye didn't ever worry about money. He would buy 30 beers at the Oilers game, but I did, right? And people were like, man, you're crazy. That's like your eighth Oilers jersey. I'm like, why don't you shut your hole? I have an Oilers website, right? And I want to keep going on that. And there's nothing more important to me in my real job now in 2022 where normal me has passed one year, right? And I'm doing shit. And people are like, why are you Oilers blogging back in Canada? You're weird. You're in San Francisco or you're in fucking Germany. Why do you tweet 9,000 times in the middle of the night in Asia about an Oilers game you're watching on your laptop on your hotel room? It's like, that's who I want to be. So five years, 10 years, 30 years from now, it's everything I'm doing in my day job plus being Wanye because that shit worked out. Yeah, Here really we are did. fucking 15 years later, man. Like, what the fuck? I say publicly traded in conversation now every 10 minutes to people. Yeah. I'll be like, oh shit, I forgot my drink on top of my car and drove off. Ha 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 ha. You'd never guess I was publicly traded. And I drop it on people like a douchebag. Makes me feel good about myself, right? Everybody who hated on us when we were coming up or, you know, didn't want to work with us or work with us and fucked us over, blah, blah, blah. We found way more good people than bad people. And we dunked it. And now we're publicly traded. Like, what the fuck? I want to watch Oilers games and enjoy myself and work on shit I think is important and remind people at every opportunity, Edmonton's a wicked place to be. And if you don't get that, whether you're an Oiler or you live here, get the fuck out. Who cares? Lots of people love it here. Fuck you. Get out of here. That's all I think. And with that, I think that's probably the best place where we can end off. Um, I end by telling all your listeners to go fuck themselves. It's a good ending, really. It's the way to do it. Also, you know what? Thank you for having me on your show, man. I really We didn't it. even get to it, but I'm also excited over the next months and years on some of the other stuff that you and I are working on. I will not open up like this for another 15 years. I'm like a rare plant that only blooms once every generation. Ah, the I have not plant. talked about myself. I have not talked about myself that much. I'm exhausted. I need to go lie down flat. 
because oh. I hate talking about myself. I'll see you at the 30th anniversary of the nation in 2036. You've earned it, my friend. Thank you very much, Wanye Gretz. And for the voicemails. <laughs> I've got a lot of voicemails to get to, and the reality is, if I did that, we're probably talking about another hour on top of this podcast. So for my friends at Rig Hand Distillery, go check them out at righanddistillery.com, home of Double Double, which belongs in your coffee every single morning. Please drive responsibly and drink responsibly. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come back tomorrow, Friday, and I'm going to do a second episode of the podcast this week and that one is going to be dedicated entirely to your voicemails i've got a lot of them like i said if i was doing it again for if i was doing this just going through like normal this would be another hour on top of the three that we just sat through so if you made it this far thank you so so much i want to again thank our friends at arcadia they are the title sponsors of this podcast. They're making it all possible. I love you, Arcadia. And again, our friends at Rig Hand Distillery. Tomorrow, it's all about you. Tomorrow, it's all about the voicemails. We're going to get there. I'm going to do it. I'm excited about it because I know that we've got some funny, funny stuff coming. Until then, I hope you enjoy the interview with Wanya. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 